Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC. It's Wednesday, the 25th of May. And again yesterday, another glorious day. Clouded over briefly, but the rest of it was absolutely wonderful. Got a camper van for you for sale. £120,000. Years ago, they'd have been about 6,000 quid, I think. Um, three children, three different men, a fling with Peter Andre. No wonder Jamie's Vardy's parents aren't going to the wedding. She seems quite ghastly, quite ghastly. Uh, where's our queen? 20,000 bees cover a car. The woman only knits out to do a bit of shopping, you can imagine. Lara's got a toy boy, makes David Walliams look very old. Glastonbury's very glamorous this year. We found uh, a pop-up hotel, one of the suites, 13,000 quid a night. Hardly worth going, is it, really? It's become a little bit luxurious. Oh, and by the way, bad news, Gaza's still on the booze. Uh, a taxi driver, minicab driver, whatever you want to call him, bought him booze the other day. What are these people? Are they stupid? It's ridiculous. Uh, Sheridan has been rushed to hospital. She collapsed at a health spa. And I've got the, um, the duck list. It's the things that uh, you wish you'd done, but you never got around to. In your life. They all do them, don't they? they do. You see people when they're nearing the end of their life, and it's, it's generally with sort of children, which is always so heartbreaking. And they say, you know, what, what do they want to do before they die? They want to swim with dolphins. They want to go to Disney. They want to do all sorts of different things. And people try and make their wishes come true. And in fact, there are various charities who do that for people. And I always think that's such a nice thing to do. Such a nice thing to do. It really is. Uh, also, Egypt is desperate for the Brits to return. The streets are deserted after the flight ban. Why would we want to go back? Why would we want to go back? It's got to be a lot safer before we uh, we go back at all. And also the boy who's on the front page of the uh, of the paper this morning. I think it's the front page of the Mirror. Uh, out with his friends in Essex, goes to a station, and a yob throws acid in his face. What sort of sick person throws acid? They've got a picture of a person they would like to question. I'm hoping that within about the next. What are we up to? Four o'clock in the morning. This has hit the papers now. Uh, there'll be people who recognise this uh, this bloke. And uh, I suggest we, we get him into custody as quickly as possible and find out if he is the person who perpetrated the crime. Uh, because this, uh, this boy uh, blinded permanently in one eye because somebody throws acid. I mean, you look at these people, don't you? And you, and you start to wonder whether or not the person who perpetrated this, uh, this, uh, this crime, they want to speak to this uh, person. You think, why would anybody go out and throw acid in somebody's face unless you... I mean... You so want to say so many things, don't you? And you have to go, well, he might be mentally ill. We don't know. And um, it's all just a little bit worrying. Bert Kwok died, age of 85. Last time you'd have seen him was in Last of the Summer Wine, Brian Murphy, Russ Abbott. They were all in there, all the greats. And uh, it was it was a gentle programme. I wanted to go. I know that they, they used to let people go up there and you could see the filming as they were going on. And it's lovely up there. It really is where they used to film. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But... Uh, he passed away peacefully yesterday at the age of 85. But at least we've got him in the Pink Panthers. At least he was still working. And I can't remember for the life of me if I ever interviewed him. Did I ever interview Burke Kwok? And I have a feeling I didn't. I have a feeling I didn't. But uh, he was lovely. He actually got an OBE. He was in Tenko. He was in loads of things. I think he was really the forerunner of, of Oriental actors. You know, people... Because we did... Up until this moment, you used to find all sorts of people. Especially in the American films. It was more bizarre. When you used to get the uh, the Indians on the reservation, uh, sometimes they used real people from the reservation. And other times, it was actors 
who they'd sort of, you know, dressed up to make it look as though they were Indians from the reservation. But Bert Kwok was one of those who, who probably led the invasion and opened up an awful lot of doors for an awful lot of people. Great, uh, great shame, but a blooming good life. Blooming good life. Uh, also, there's a new flexi phone. You're going to want this one. It bends around your wrist. I've got a producer like that. Oh, no, sorry. That's twists around my finger. Uh, this is a, it's the same kind of thing, isn't it, really? It's the same kind of thing. But I like the idea of a phone that is there. My phone bill this month, really cheap. 15 quid. 15 quid. That's for everything. That's for all the... And I use it every day. I use it every day. Some days it comes... Some months it comes in at 15 quid, and some months it comes in at 18 or 20 pounds. 15 is about the, you know, about the average that I, I get on it, and I'm quite pleased with that. I know people complain bitterly, don't they, about how much my phone bill costs. And I used to have a phone for, for ages, which was running about 60 quid a month. It was phenomenal. Now, you know, you need to speak to Disconnections. If you want to get your phone cheaper, you go to Disconnections. You say, I'm, I want to leave. It's too expensive. And d- d- don't speak to anybody who you just get through to. Ask for Disconnections. Because once they think you're going to leave them, they will lower the price. I'd be very surprised if you didn't get a, a substantial reduction. So always ask for disconnections. And then say, I've got a better deal somewhere else. And they'll, they'll say, oh, well, how much are you paying? And you'll go, I'm paying £22. And they'll say, well, well, we'll match it. They're just desperate to keep you. You know, they don't, they don't like to lose customers. And so, um, so try it. Try it today. If you're not very successful, come back to me. I'll try and think of some other ways of, uh, of getting it cheaper for you. Because you don't want to pay any more than that. I mean, even, you know, pay as you go. It shouldn't be so expensive now. Shouldn't be so expensive. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, yes. Oh, Alison Phillips. I like reading Alison Phillips. She writes for the Daily Mirror. And she was talking about uh, the Chelsea Flower Show, which I like the Chelsea Flower Show. I'm only interested if, uh, if the Queen goes. I'm not interested if anybody else goes. Yesterday, there was a picture in one of the papers of Anthea Turner. Who gives a stuff whether Anthea Turner goes? Who cares? Nobody cares. But they've got uh, wasters at work. They say some people reckon Princesses Beatrice and Eugenie... Uh, so named because their father decided to call them princesses. Everybody else in the family just gets on with it. The kids get on with it. But no, they have to be princesses. But anything less than princesses, you'd be hard pushed to find. They reckon they're work shy. Wastes of space with no discernible talents and little better to do than go skiing on Dazzy's Kazakh credit card. So I'm delighted to bring you this picture to disprove such nonsense. Here not only are they both holding something, they are, at the same time, looking at something too. Brilliant. Multi-skilled goes Alison. Yes, I don't think anybody's got any time at all for Beatrice and Eugenie. I think people just see them as total time wasters. And uh, nothing to applaud, Kim Kardashian. You know, why is it? One of the papers says, why do people look up to this old trollop? You know, and I thought to myself, that's a bit harsh, but I thought she's American. Nobody really cares. And uh, they've been offered... And I don't understand it either. And I'm, I'm as fascinated as the next person about the world of celebrity, because I wrote a book about it. And uh, they've offered them £100 million to do a film about the Kardashians. Well, he's as miserable as sin. And she's got an arse the size of Egypt. I mean, you know, nobody... Sorry, bottom. Do beg your pardon. It's just that she is an arse. And uh, <laughs> I thought, why not this morning? I just don't understand, you know, how somebody with no talent, apart from some naff porno film she made, has become so famous. She wasn't even much good in it either. Not that I saw it. People told me. But then again, I saw Jordan's, and that was absolutely hilarious. Jordan is in one of the papers today. I I will find it, because I I want to make sure I get it right for you. I know you don't like me to miss out on these sort of things. And it's a story of uh, Jordan, who uh, apparently... Uh, I think it might, must be the loose women period. They want to get Peter Andre on the same show with her. And she goes, oh, it'd be so much fun. This is only a, sh- a few months ago. It's court time between the two of them. Uh, she hates him. 
The, the truth of the matter is, she can't bear the idea that somebody loathes her. I mean, I think that he would be the biggest fool under the sun if he appeared on television with her. Why would you want to do that? For what sort of reason? For what ego would that be boosting? I'm sure his new wife would be delighted. What, you going back? That old trollop. Are you mad? On television? It's my new word in the morning, trollop. I think I love... I quite like it, actually. Trollop. I wonder if it... I think it's an old-fashioned... I think it's a Victorian word. I think it's a Victorian word. If we find it, find it on the, on the internet. Have a look at the word trollop and see what it, see what it means. Having trouble with the stapler. He has trouble with... He's been mad in the building today. He's been pinching staples left, right and centre. I... Oh, shouldn't I have not said that? He's been pinching from our classic station downstairs. He, uh... <laughs> Don't ever tell me anything. You know it pops up on the programme. You know... Such a snitch. It's his new word. I think it's an Australian word. It means sneak. Sneak. Trollop, incidentally, is... Means... A promiscuous woman... I would think making a porno film and having children with lots of different people would make you... That would be promiscuous, would it not? Promiscuous. I like the word promiscuous. I think it's quite exciting, actually. I wish I'd been promiscuous. I never was, though, actually. I was always a bit dreary. Somebody said, you know, do you want to go out? I go, no, not really, no. I couldn't think of anything worse, really. And, was, and I've discovered that when you get to a certain age, you can't be bothered anyway. The producer, well, he didn't decide. Fate decided for him. But uh, it was... No, seriously, it, it doesn't it doesn't actually make any difference. I, it's, every time I watch all these people on the television, they go, we're doing Celebrity Love Island, and you're doing... And I think, what, Celebrity Tramps Town? That's all it is. It's just people who want to go there, and then they sort of fix fix them up with each other, and then they all sleep with each other. You think, and, and you think this is forging a career, do you? What sort of career do you think you're heading for? You know, by the time these people get to... Th- There's some girl in the paper today. She's been out with Danny Cipriani. She's a she's a, a lingerie model. For that read, she's got no discernible talent, apart from she gets her boobs out and puts on lacy lingerie for sort of men in dirty raincoats. And that keeps people happy. And then she goes out with a string of celebrities, or third-rate people, and, uh, and then she goes... Oh, she finished with Danny because she found out that he was cheating on her. <laughs> Well, of course. How stupid you have to be. How stupid you have to be now. That's what people do. It's, it was different years and years ago. People tell you, different. You went out with somebody, went round to talk to their father and say, you know, could I take so-and-so out? Brian. And um, and then, you know, the father would go, yes, that's all right. And then you'd walk out together. You never. Nowadays, they're in bed on the first night. Based on the assumption that if you don't like it on the first night, you don't need to see them for the second night. That's how it works, isn't it, nowadays? You see people standing in bars. They don't want to discuss, you know, the finer points of a pint of bitter. They're, they're, they're cruising. They go with their mates. What? Yeah. A bit, a bit vodka and orange. Hello, darling. What do you want to drink? And they, and they sort of, you know, but they, they aren't looking to take them out for a piece of Kentucky Fried Chicken. They're looking to say, do you want to come back for a cup of coffee? Interpret that as, would you like to hop into my bed? And I'll just put a notch on the top of the bedpost because you've got the word easy over you, darling. You know, and you think to yourself, that's all it comes down to. In my day, you'd be discussing the finer points of a packet of KP peanuts. Far more entertaining, counting them out, going, I wonder how many you get. I was counting lemons out the other day in a box, because my life is very rock and roll. And I was counting lemons out for Paul Cooper, who, um, and we, we worked out there were 61 lemons in this box, but they're big lemons. And lemons are so expensive at the moment, they're like 50 pence each which is a lot of money for a lemon, but it's, it's the way that the, the prices are going. Don't ask me how I know this kind of thing. I'm just very educated. And, um, and I was thinking, this is actually quite therapeutic, counting lemons out of a box. When you think where they've come from and where they've grown, and then and people, and the lady who bought, twen- uh, she bought 50 lemons. She bought 50 because she was using them for flower arranging. Oh, my Godfathers, I do beg your pardon. I do beg your pardon. Um, wait, oh, wait a minute, I can't turn the sound down. 
So annoying as it sounds like a hunting horn. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me turn the sound down. <gasps> That'll be the newsreader. That'll be Paul, I can tell. God, this is so frightening. Uh, he says... <laughs> uh, he says, you've left Britain's Got Talent playing on the PC. Very annoying hearing in, here in the newsroom. Here in the newsroom, honestly. I thought it was quite exciting, actually. I thought you'd enjoy that, Paul. I thought that would be your sort of thing. I was watching a choir. You know, this this girls' choir that came from Northern Ireland, I think. And they were so good. They were the ones who did... Adi, adi, amus, adi, adi, amus, adi, adi, amus, adi, adi. And, it was quite, and they did, you know, the dancing. Back. It sounded like a Maori war cry. But it probably wasn't. It was just sort of made up. And uh, and I, I left it on there because I forgot to turn the computer off because my friend Toby came round and we were chatting away about staples, which the producer had pinched. And uh, we were sort of, you know, trying to distance ourselves from it, you know. I've had to paint my face in a different uh, different sort of strange way now. I think I'd be a hedgehog. I've always wanted to be face-painted. Always wanted to be face-painted. Never managed to get round to it. Never, you know, you see kids coming away from fairs and things like that. And they've been painted to look like lions. And I thought, that's a clever trick, isn't it, to do... And I thought, perhaps I'll try it. And then I thought, don't be silly, Steve. You're going to look ridiculous on the 176 bus, aren't you? With your face painted. I wonder what people would think. Probably think the circus was in town, I suppose. So, anyway, shall we take a short break, shall we? Try and do something on time this morning. And uh, and then we'll we'll tell you the key to long life. Um, the strikes, which are really going to prove a lot of problems for Brits heading for France. And don't forget as well, there's a shortage of petrol over there. Colleen Rooney set to head into the jungle. Then you'll realise how dull she is. She won't go into the jungle. Why would she go into the jungle? I mean, unless she's trying to prove to somebody she's got a personality, but we've never seen any evidence of it. And uh, she'll sort of go out there, but she won't. And then they'll... Uh, who's going to look after the kids? You couldn't trust him alone with a food mixer. He wouldn't know how to look after kids. She doesn't need the money, so it must be purely for vanity reasons. She'll last about five seconds. Five seconds. They say, oh, she'd be a real coup to get. Why? She's as boring as a lamppost. Serious, I've never seen anybody so dull. And that dreadful voice. <laughs> be awful, I'll tell you. You'd be wanting to push her out of the treehouse straight away, wouldn't you? Quarter past-ish, four. Leading Britain's conversation. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 20 minutes past four. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast, which means that we sort of ease you into the day. And being Wednesday, we're easing you into Wednesday and then we'll ease you into Thursday as well. Gary reckons he pays six quid a month for 1500 minutes, unlimited text and plenty of data. And uh, he says, uh, I got it through Switch. Six quid a month. I know I mean, some, some of them are so cheap. See, that's 1500 minutes a month. Well, I could, I could run that up in a day. I could run that up in a day, 1,500 minutes. That's not, not a great deal for me. The unlimited texts, I mean, I do send texts, and I do have... I've got unlimited phone, unlimited texts, and limitless data. It just goes on forever and a day. I forget how much I've got on it, but an awful lot, which is always useful to have. But, I mean, six quid a month, I think, is great. It's fantastic. Absolutely great. I do hear of some people, you know, awful. They, they, they seem to pay through the nose for their, for their poor phones. I was going to have a look at the, uh, the weather for today, and then I thought, no, I can't really be bothered, actually. You can get lamingtons from Beanie Green, an Australian coffee chain in London. So there you go. So we were talking about lamingtons the other day. We have to occasionally, on the programme, for the purposes of the, uh, of the producer, who's sort of Irish-Australian. It's such a combination. And, um, and, uh, and we, sort of, we have to mention things from home. So every so often I will throw in words like... Billabong, kangaroo, <laughs> Barbie, and stuff like that. And it makes him feel as though he's part of it. Because otherwise he's a bit out on a limb. He doesn't speak the language very well. He sort of comes up with his own little words. And so I'll throw things in, you know, which make him feel as though he's at home. 
The fact that he's sitting the other side of the glass and it's bulletproof, I think, is probably to my advantage. But uh, it's nice to look at him. He's, he's sort of grown, grown a beard to make himself look a bit more manly, which is nice. And a lot of Australians do that. I just thought it was laziness to start with. But, uh, no, he's, he's, already, he's actually one of the better-dressed Australians. Generally speaking, they wander around in sort of flip-flops, you know, those sort of sandly-type things, and sort of shorts and dirty, scrubby T-shirts and all the rest of it. Generally speaking, they're not a very clean nation. They're really not very clean. That's why they spend most of their time on the beach. It's easier than having a bath. They just take their bar of soap in, you know, and sort of soap themselves all up when they're, uh, when they're doing it, which is quite nice. It's, uh, don't get me wrong, you know, I've, I've never expressed an interest to go to Australia, and uh, there's, not, there's nothing out there that I can't get here. There is nothing out there. There is nothing, you know, so I, don't like, I don't do the sun. I, I'm diabetic. I can't, if, I, if I sit in the sun, I get heat, rash, and all... Oh, I hate it. And I'm, I'm not the sort of person to sort of go jumping in and out surfing and stuff like that. You know, I don't do that kind of thing, as you can well imagine by looking at me. I don't do surfing. I don't do um, any sort of rock climbing. I'm not interested in Ayers Rock. It's pretty, but I've seen a picture of it. I should imagine it looks roughly the same in real life. I've seen, you know, the Sydney Opera House and the, the, the Harbour Bridge, and I've listened to Australians. The food is nothing to talk about. Seriously, it's all it's the same kind of stuff as we get over here. It's just that there it comes with an accent. And uh, people drink a lot, so there's obviously a lot of alcoholism out there. And their television is no better than the stuff that we get here. So what's the point of going there, sitting on a plane for 26 hours? Why would I do it? Why would you want to put yourself through that kind of misery to get to a country where, you know, they're all, oh, it's, it's not like neighbours. Don't ever be fooled into thinking that Summer Bay and neighbours are indicative of what the Australians are like. That's about as far removed... You know, as you can possibly get from Australia. That's just pretending. Because I've said to you before, they only put the good-looking Australians on that programme. The ugly Australians end up in Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane and places like that. The place is swarming with uglies. I mean, seriously, they could make ten Jeremy Kyle shows a day out there and they still wouldn't use up all the unattractive people. So don't be fooled by it. That's what, that's what they did originally. Why don't you come and emigrate to Australia? So, of course, all the uglies from this country went out there and then there was a lot of inbreeding and, you know, and people were sort of, you know, in little closes and then one family was too poor. They didn't have a swimming pool, so they dug a little hole in the ground and they put a little swimming pool in there. And then they watched neighbours and went, well, wh- wh- who is this representative of? And the answer is nobody. Nobody. A lot of the Australians got skin complaints. I don't want to make a big deal about it, but Clearasil is the most popular product over there. That's why people go over there and they go, oh, you've got a skin complaint. They go, everybody's got a skin complaint. The women are the size of small machines. Seriously, the only willowy ones become models and they're the people who don't eat. The rest of them are going around, they're clumping around in their Wellington boots, looking a bit butch. You know, you go into the outback, it's another world completely. There, the men have never seen women. Hilda Ogden from Coronation Street could have pulled over there. It was as good as that. Uh, Billy Elliot star Jamie Bell has joined the race to be the next James Bond because that's what they do every so often. They change. And the last one said he didn't want to do it anymore. They offered him, I think, 85 million. Eighty. My God, when you think of what you do for 85... Imagine, that'd be that one big payday, wouldn't it? 85 million pounds. And then you'd go, I'm going to buy myself a really super house. I'm going to have down in the kitchen, because there would be a, a down in the kitchen, there would be a, a fridge in the corner, which would be like some of the ones that you see in, in the pubs. And and it would just be stocked with sort of Prosecco and bottles of water and stuff like that. That'd be lovely, wouldn't it? That'd be really nice. I'd have a roof terrace with running water, because I like the sound of running water. 85 million. And he turned it down. He turned it down. And you think, you'd, I suppose that's like, I don't know, footballers earning 20, 30, 40,000 pound a week. And that would be average nowadays, would it not? Uh, Egypt's very desperate for the Brits to return. The streets are deserted after the flight ban. Apparently they're down 80%. 
can't persuade us to go, can you, really? Because I still think we're a bit scared. I think, as a nation, we're a bit scared. I want a bit more, you know, even though they've said, oh, we've, we've beefed up security and we've done this, I'm, I'm kind of wanting a little bit more than somebody telling me that, you know, for us to go back there. I mean, I, I quite understand that hotels that would have been full with Brits, because it was a very popular destination for us. Very popular destination. Sharm el-Sheikh then got taken over by the Russians, who were willing to spend 10 quid on an ice cream, whereas the Brits are going, how much? You know, bottles of wine in Sharm el-Sheikh, John Warrington used to tell me, could cost 30 to 60 quid. Because it was so expensive. And I thought, no, I'd rather go somewhere else. I don't want to go somewhere cheap. I you know, but I want somewhere that's what, quite reasonable. So Glastonbury's out completely. Have you heard about Glastonbury? They're, in an effort to upmarket Glastonbury, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a sort of a series of shows in a field. And it's very successful, and it's very lovely, and they've had some really good acts there. But at the end of the day, it's a lot of very unattractive people again. Well, they start off attractive, but then because it's always muddy and they get dirty and people thieve from your tents. I mean, everybody goes there. Most people get stuff nicked. So if you're going there, take nothing. Don't take your watch, you know, your mobile phone. You'd have to sort of shove down your pants to make sure it was safe, wouldn't you? And then you go and sit in a field. The toilet's awful. It's just, it just doesn't appeal to me. So they've now got a hotel. A pop-up hotel where one of their suites is 13,000 quid for the night. I don't think anything costs that. How can a bed in a room cost 13,000 quid? I mean, it would have to come with its own swimming pool and a butler and somebody to cook for you. 13,000. But if you're very rich, if I'd won 85 million or worked for 85 million, then I could do that, couldn't I? I could actually stay in the hotel and have to. I would love that. Wouldn't you love that? If you're trying to lose weight at the moment, come on. You have to put your hands up with me and say what you would like is, is somebody who would cook for you. They'd live in a chef and they would say, right, for breakfast this morning, this is your healthy option. And they would and they would cook it because it's only because we can't be bothered to cook it ourselves. So whenever you go and stay in a hotel, I love the buffet breakfast, but I always put too much on the plate. Always. I put two sausages down thinking, you know, my little tummy capacity. I'm going to manage two sausages, two bacon, hash brown, beans. What did I have the other day? I had something, or perhaps I dreamt it. I can't remember now. Half the time, I can't remember if I dream these things or if it actually happens. And and I had a breakfast, and I think it was a sausage, a piece of bacon, an egg, slice of toast, white. Don't do brown. I'm sorry. And uh, bean, yeah, beans to. Oh, and a piece of fried bread because that's my ultimate, my ultimate sin. And I haven't had it. I haven't had fried bread for. Must be a good part of ten years, but I dream about it on a daily basis. I'm the only person who dreams about food that he can't have. I mean, I could eat it, but I'd probably be a little bit sick afterwards. Because anything that's sort of got loads of fat in it does affect me quickly. Uh, but I, I just fancy that fried... I actually do away with the toast and just have a whole piece of fried bread with beans on the top of it and an egg and a sausage and a piece of bacon. I'd be quite happy with that. Okay. Seriously, you could you could win me over with that one. Uh, sorry to ask about a story from yesterday, says uh, Kevin. I've just read that a primary school in England has banned school whistles in playgrounds to mark the end of break as children might be scared. Yes. He says, but teachers now... I mean, uh, the funny thing is, most people said yesterday that it wasn't a whistle, even though I have heard whistles. It's bells. They have little, we had the school bell. Didn't everybody have the school bell? I thought so. See if your producer may end up in therapy after working with you. What do you mean may end up in therapy? He's come to me from therapy. That's what it is. You get, he's on three, three sessions a week at the moment, working with Steve Allen. You know, how painful is it for him? The answer is, it's very painful. You know, there's a lot of, lot of angst that we bring out during the course of the programme. We do a lot of, I do a lot of regression with him. 
So, you know, he can sort of work out that he was bullied last week. And, uh, and it, it just slowly comes to the top. You know, every morning he, can't, he says the same thing. Same thing. And I say the same thing as well. He sort of walks in and I look at him. He goes, what? He always says the same thing. What? He says, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't say anything. He just says, what? And I go, what? And he goes, are you just sort of looking me up and down? I said, yeah. I always think maybe we're being filmed or something for some sort of hidden camera show in Australia. You know, this is what it's like for somebody in the media, you know, and what they have to do to work in England. And so I, we sort of go through this thing and then he'll go like that. He's like, we get a lot of that. A lot of that. I don't know what it means. It's like, and he raises his eyebrows when he looks at me. He's only 12. And um, it's just, I don't know why. It's funny, people always say, I think actually secretly he really likes me and he really likes working with me. He just doesn't want to admit it. It's as simple as that. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those, it's, it, it's, an in, it's like a, it's a hidden form of flattery. It's a hidden form of flattery. You know, somebody who insults you, it generally means that they like you. Which is, which is how it works. Uh, 84850, uh, oh, steve at uk. We'll put everything in on the programme this morning. Uh, also, the, uh, they think it's all sober. England versus Wales, the booze ban. Uh, and also, um, Good Housekeeping magazine have started reviewing sex toys. What can I tell you? It's in the papers today, and it's a news story. Uh, also, the spy cameras. How many pictures do they take of drivers every day? 34 million. 34 million pictures of drivers. I'd love to be a policeman for the day. Oh, and verging on the ridiculous, and the clue is in verging, the strimmers axed by elf and safety. Do you remember a strimmer? Do you have strimmers in Australia? No. It looks like a, it's an upright thing. It's for the garden. It's for doing right up to your fence with your grass. And inside it is a coil of um, uh, plastic thin plastic that looks like string and you pull a bit out and the string whirs around and then cuts the the things can i tell you lbc news time 4:30 with the latest headlines paul smith Trans- steve allen on lbc Morning, everybody. Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's Wednesday, the 25th of May. It's nice to have your company if you've just woken up. You're probably lying there going, I woke up quite early this morning, but I was sort of lying there, sort of cogitating. You know, you, you sort of run through all the things you want to do today. And I've got a check, because I did do the VAT yesterday. And uh, I've discovered the trick for it is, first of all, I've got to find the invoices. because And, and I've normally found it because I've got uh, two passwords and one of them is a 16-digit number, and then there's a, another thing as well. And you have to, to do this to log into your account with HMRC. So I sort of I go home, and I think, right, I'm determined to do this this morning. It would be so easy to put it off until later. I thought, I've got to do the VAT. Got to do the VAT, because it's got to be filed by the end of this month, and then you pay on the 10th. So uh, we do this three times a year. Is it three times a year? Three, no, it must be four times a year, I suppose. And, um, and so it's three months' worth. And so I go in and I've got, right, now where are the invoices? Where are the blooming invoices? <laughs> I've eventually located the invoices, located the two bits of paper, and then I've got to go and get a piece of paper out and my little calculator. So I log onto the website. But if you're not quick with HMRC, they log you out. And so you've really, you've got to be kind of on the ball. So I sort of, I'm there, I've got the bits of paper, and then on the bits of paper, which are my invoices, I've got to write down the, the sum before VAT in each of them. Oh, what's the matter now? What is the matter? Why? Everybody's very aggressive this morning, honestly. Ever since you bought that leather jacket, you've gone mad, haven't you? You, you... 
Oh, right, you're in for a Ferrero Rocher, OK. Are you auditioning for Greece or something at the moment? Are you going to be Sandy? Because <laughs> you're certainly not going to be John Travolta, that's a fact. <laughs> you... Oh, right. I d- yeah, the Greek... I'll tell you what's even better than the, than the Greece Megamix is the, uh, is the Joseph Megamix at the end of Joseph... Oh, don't you like that one? I, I think that's... Dreamcoats. I thought that was fabulous. The, at, at the end of the show, which they did at the Palladium, because the show is very small, there's just that each song is done twice. So they stretch the show out. And then at the very end, just when you think it's finished, it goes... And all these lights come on, and I'm, like, blinded. And they start... And, of course, you have to stand up, because it's like being in a disco. And I'm giving it large, and I'm doing... So Jacob came to Egypt. And it's really fantastic. Everybody was up dancing. Everybody was happy. And then you go outside and it's filthy. And have you got any change? You got any? Oh, go away! I'm so bored with these people, honestly. <laughs> I'm so, I mean, I like to. I like to show that I've got a caring side. It's just that it doesn't really emerge in London, where I never understand why homeless people want to sit on a blanket by a cash point. You know, have you got any spare change? Doesn't do change, dear. It does notes. You know, <laughs> I ask you, what's the point? You got any spare change? Of course, I haven't got any spare change. It's like somebody who's got cigarettes. They go, "You got a spare cigarette?" I go, "No." It says twenty on the packet, and there's twenty in it, so there aren't any spare. If you had twenty-one in there, you could have one, but you're not having one at the moment. It's ridiculous. There were tramps. You get tramp. I got a tramp round here about two years ago. He had a dog with him, and the dog was fairly aggressive. And I'm kind of sort of holding back, thinking I don't want to get to the front door only to be savaged and brought to my knees. You know, don't have to sort of leave trails of blood down the front door as this dog. And, and the, there was somebody living on a trent. Uh, sorry, in a tent on Richmond Roundabout, Richmond Circus Roundabout. There was somebody who'd set up a tent situation. And I thought, it's going to become like Tent City, isn't it? They've just turfed away in London. Was it Peckham? All these Romanians who are sleeping in disused cars. I mean, really, it's so uncomfortable. They've got gear sticks and everything. Where's that supposed to go? You know, and it's ridiculous. You just sort of lie there and say they've taken all their cars away now. So now they haven't got anywhere to sleep. So they've all said they're going to go back to Romania. These places must be empty. Do you think Romania's got anybody in it at all? I don't think Poland's got anybody. I might go and buy a place in Poland, actually. It's got to be cheap at the moment, doesn't it? I quite like the idea. I've never been, A friend of mine is, is Polish, and uh, she goes back on a, on a regular basis. My hairdresser's Polish as well, and, uh, and she goes back there, and her mum's in, in Krakow. And I keep thinking, how cheap would property be there? Would that be very expensive? Could you get something for, say, 70000 80000 I don't know. Come and have a Ferrero Rocher, and then go and get your little taxi. Uh, the camper van. This is an Australian thing. Australians do camper vans. This one's 120,000. It doesn't even look brand new. Because I did. I saw a, an American programme the other week which had a camper van. And, uh, and it was. Uh, it, they, they did it all up for him. And it was beautiful. I mean, it was absolutely stunning. This, this, this camper van was the ni- nicest thing. You just look as though you're equipped for World War Three, don't you? A little bottle of water, your little phone, and now a Ferrero Rocher. The essentials. The essentials. I think it's good to have the essentials, isn't it? Would you like to take two? Oh, you're I'm taking take two. Take one for Mike. Oh, take one, another one for Mike. I might well, take one for my Uber driver. You could well. take. Oh right. Okay. I'm not sure about that. That'll go down well with the audience this morning. No good giving anything to Mike. Seriously, he's fighting the weight at the moment. I'm trying to get him a gastric band fitted, but uh, he, he won't go for it. Very noisy out there. Very noisy in the corridor today. But, uh, yeah, so we always have little chocolates in here, little treats and things like that. It gets people through the night. It gets... Look at them, they're fighting over... Oh, he's now decided which one he wants. They're arguing over, over which one he wants. Morning. All the other people turning up for... Is it, which one did he take? The really... Oh, the really fattening one. Great. 
There's a queue for me, I know, for Ferrer Rocher. It's odd, isn't it, really? I suppose because... Don't they, what, what was the... Is it the ambassador eats them on the television or something? They, they, don't they go to a dinner party and the, and the, the advert is, oh, the ambassador's having Ferrero Rocher. As if. As if. You know, if you were the ambassador to a country... You'd have, I had Turkish Delight a few weeks ago. Love Turkish... I know, it's a bit glutinous, isn't it? Yes, I should imagine it wouldn't work well with your teeth, would it, really? Do you have to take them out and put them to one side and then you can do it? Yeah. Oh, two pieces. Well, why not? Anyway, anyway, anyway. 20 to 5 is the time. Being a Wednesday... Being a Wednesday, everybody's hoping they get paid today. See, Britain's Got Talent is becoming as bad as the Jeremy Kyle show with the audience. I tell you what, before I go any further, you might have to help me with this one. You know where they had this this gospel choir who were on it? And I've seen the choir. I think they're really, really good. Really good. It turns out they're American. It's an American choir. They've only got one Brit in it. And it's supposed to be Britain's Got Talent. And it's, uh, and it's American. And then there was another one. They had a guy on there who Stephen Mulhern was talking to at the beginning, and he's a trapeze artist. And all he does, he goes on the trapeze and he swings backwards and forwards. He's very muscly, because, you know, it couldn't be somebody like me being a trapeze artist. That would be ridiculous. And then he, he does a handstand as the thing's going backwards and forwards. It's a bit like centrifugal force keeping him up in the air and keeping him on the things that swings backwards and forwards. And then they cut to the panel going, oh, wow. And think, have you ever been to a circus? Every single circus I've ever been to has got trapeze acts. I don't know why they get so excited. So this bloke, and then the person underneath swings the rope round and round and round and round, and he does that, and they do that in every single circus. They, they think that these people have wandered off a council estate in Warsaw, but they haven't. They're part of circus acts. That's what they do for a living. Circus is in their blood. You know me and circuses. I love it. Uh, so, so Malcolm, I, I agree. People do scream and shout. You can't hear what people are saying. I like the Australian version. I've told you before, I've seen that. I got very, very emotional with the Indian version of India's Got Talent. And that would had, a, had a group on there, a dance group, who painted themselves in blues and greens and reds and oranges. And uh, that was, they were all kids from the streets. Some of them were disabled. It was, it was really the most moving thing you'll ever see. And I think they actually got through. I think they actually got through. And I think they might have won it. Uh, and it was very, you know, one of the judges was saying on there, you know, you're the most brilliant things I've ever seen, and they're all, everybody's crying, I'm crying, the judges are crying, everybody's crying. And then the Australian version is fantastic. They've got some really good acts on there. I mean, it's like our one. There's a load of old tat and rubbish. You know, I'm not really interested in sort of mother and son singing acts. It was like, you know, Deirdre and Rashid kind of thing, but it wasn't Rashid, it was like Deirdre and Kevin or something. And you think, it's not very imaginative, is it? At least give yourselves a name, like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, I can't think of anything, actually, Spiral or something, anything, I don't know. And um, who's going to win? Probably the Gospel Act, because they are the most lively thing on there. But they're American, and Americans are very lively. They're very lively. (coughs) Apparently, strimmers in Australia are called... Whippersnippers. Have you heard of that? Oh, now he knows what it is. It's honestly it's like a bit of home for him down here. Honestly, I come up with these words for him. And so, whipper, you know what a whippersnipper is, do you? Oh, right, OK. We didn't know what a strimmer was. It's a whippersnipper. A whip, yeah. You, what is it? You just... What is it? Yeah, what is it? It's... Yeah, for doing the hedge and all... Yeah, right, yeah. Same sort of thing, actually. So there you go. And... Uh, uh, does your Aussie producer ever come comes nut with sport? Cobber, so it goes on. I don't know what half of these things are. I'm probably going to be saying something terribly rude. Cobber. Yeah, Cobber. 
Cobber Drongo? What's Drongo? I'm a Drongo. Is that, is that a, a British person? Or is that something very direct? Oh, right, just an idiot, he says. Just an idiot. Is that a Drongo? Well, how can you call me a Drongo? I'm the one presenting the programme. You're the one who they don't want to hear. <laughs> eight for eight. I like him, really, seriously. I'd like him better in something long and flowing. Thames would be nice at this time of the morning, but, you know, kind of everything. Apparently, you can easily get, says Patrick, a one-bedroom flat in uh, the centre of Krakow in Poland for 80,000. Oh. I mean, I don't know how many... How long does it take to get over to Poland on, a, on an aeroplane? That would only be a couple of hours, wouldn't it? It's quite, quite quick. I would like that. They do have strimmers, uh, Steve... Uh, in Australia, not used much in the summer as the extreme heat kills the grass. Yeah, a friend of mine said um, that he was going over to Dubai, 45 degrees. Oh, pff, you wouldn't get me out of that. Double it and add 30, 90, 120. Oh, God, you can't go out in that, can you? It's bad enough in Vegas. Vegas, I thought, was, I mean, the heat over there. You know, you need to take water with you. But I've discovered I take water everywhere now. If I'm going to the theatre, I take a bottle of water because you just need a bottle of water. And if I'm going out uh, on the town, I take a little bottle of water. It's always it's useful to have. And it's so much cheaper. You go into, you know, the supermarkets, you can buy water really, really cheaply. You can get a, you go to Poundland and get, you know, a pack of six water for a pound. Where the water's come from, I've got no idea. I, I tend not to ask things like that. And uh, what else we got? Holidays abroad. Why not try Iceland, says Peter, as recommended by Darren Adam. Following week, you could try Sainsbury's or Tesco. We've got a new Tesco, uh, Sainsbury's opening where I am. It used to be, what did it used to be? It used to be a pub, I think. Oh, no, it, it used to be a, at the end of Teddington High Street, which is down the road from me. Uh, there's a lovely big church, which has been converted into an arts place. I'd love to have it as a house. Loads of parking outside. I'd plant it all up. You know, if, if you could buy it and say, listen, I'll give you six million, and then have an architect come in and design it with a pool in the basement and that kind of stuff. I could quite live in a church, quite live in it. And then there's this place that used to be um, a furniture shop, retro furniture, which didn't go down too well in Teddington. And now it's going to be a Sainsbury's. So literally down the road from Marks and Spencer's, you've got you've got Sainsbury's. They're all over the place, actually. All over the place. Um, Ninety. Seven and eight-year-old children... Uh, at L- London's North Ealing Primary School are going to record a happy birthday tribute to the Queen for 90. Could be heading for number one. So says my friend Jeff. So that's nice. So 90, seven and eight-year-old kids. They're so innocent, aren't they? Seven and eight. You know, they love singing. And I was watching another choir on Britain's Got Talent. And that had people of all ages, including some kids in there, who were singing with such gusto. Really were. It was, you know, just absolutely wonderful. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, the time now, 14 to 5. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. I forgot to mention the spike, didn't I, at four o'clock? It's still there. Thankfully, the gap widens between uh, all the other people on at this time in the morning, so I'm very happy. Here is the story. Here is the story which is so sadly pathetic. Honestly, TV bosses are lining up a reunion of Katie Price and Peter Andre during a truce between the feuding exes. Well, why would they have a, you know, a reunion? Every time they swap the kids over, they see them. What difference does it make? What difference does it make? Anyway, ITV's Loose Women, where Kate is a regular drongo panellist, I've decided I'm going to use that word now, want the couple who divorced to appear together. What for? They hate each other. She hates him. She absolutely hates him. In fact, she hated him so much that um, 
they've, um, she was going to take him to court. Do you remember? Big court case. She'd already lost one. She was going to lose another one. A source said relations are their best, are at their best since the split. Producers are pulling out all the stops to make the most of it. It's a no-brainer. The ratings are being credible. What, to two old has-beens? To two old has-beens? A, a sort of a failed, a failed model with loads of children with different people. And Peter Andre, who's married to somebody else. I mean, who on earth would be approving of that? I can't think Peter's agent would want anything to do with anything that Katie Price does. Katie has said a reunion would be funny. Hilarious, dear. What would you do? It's just for yourself. Why don't you go and sit in the garden together and talk? We don't want to watch it on television. Nobody cares about you. Imagine the banter, she said. I'd be ribbing him and he'd be ribbing me. Yeah, as opposed to being in court. I'd be libelling him, he'd be libelling me, and so on and so forth. Representatives of Peter have denied any involvement. And let's face it, it was a bitter six-year legal fight until early this year. They've got two children, Junior and Princess, who seem to love the limelight almost a little bit too much. But, uh, you know, so he'd be ribbing me and I'd be ribbing him. Like they haven't spoken. They've already spoken. She went backstage at one of his concerts. So don't believe loose women. I mean, it's, it's turned into trash women, hasn't it? It really is appalling. Who's interested in it? It's just absolutely atrocious now. This uh, story on the front page of one of the papers today. Five teenage friends doused in acid in an unprovoked attack at a train station, leaving two with life-changing injuries. This is Lee Elliott who suffered severe burns to his face and left eye. Another friend, also 17, was treated for horrific injuries to his mouth and tongue. The lads were waiting for a train when a man sprayed them with the liquid. Lee's now waiting to find out if he's been permanently blinded in the badly injured eye. His mum said the doctors said the right eye will be okay, but there are lots of burns to his left eye. We'll have to wait and find out. Uh, They were taken to hospital in the early hours. They've now been discharged, but Lee's burns are quite serious, and so they're keeping him in. They went to a party in South Ockenden, went to get a taxi home, but the cabs were too busy, so they walked to Ockenden Station instead. They were waiting on a platform when a man who was part of a group of ten got off a train at the station shortly after midnight, so he must live local. You don't just get off a train at South Ockenden. If you're on a train, you're going to be going to the uh, the conclusion, aren't you? Anyway, uh, he approached the teenagers while he had one hand behind his back. After a brief conversation, he produced a Lucozade-style bottle and doused the teenagers with the corrosive liquid, which has not been officially named. He then jumped back on the train, the 2344 South End to Barking Service, for it pulled away. Well, they're going to have cameras on the train. They'll have footage of this man, and uh, I, I suspect that the police will be interviewing before the day is out. Uh, a particularly vicious and alarming assault. But uh, they will get you, matey. They will get you. And I hope people like you, they bang up for a long time. I'm always in favour of things like that. An unprovoked and violent incident which could have left somebody blinded. You know, if I was sitting on the, uh, the jury after you'd been found guilty, 20 years I'd go for. Twenty. I'm sick to death of these people doing these mamby-pamby, go to prison for five months, I'm sorry. No, you know, this, this thug here needs to be taken off. Because it was either going to be them or it could be somebody else. An elderly person or something. It could be your mother, your father. It could be anybody like that. So uh, let's take him out of the equation, shall we? Uh, Steve, I was in northwest Poland last week. Not a touristy city, but lovely. Cafes and restaurants. Very cheap. Three-bedroom house. 75 grand outside the centre. One hour, 40 minutes from Stansted, says Johnny. See, I think 75,000 for a three-bedroom house. You can live very cheaply. Live very cheaply out there. Very cheaply indeed. And uh, much cheaper than here. Oh, yes, apparently, Steve... String stimmers are also called weed whip, whipper snipper, weed whacker, weed eater, or in the UK and Ireland, strimmers. So that's what they are. He's done the wire.
Seriously, you get that vacant look. You can always tell when it's gone over his head a little bit. He sits there staring into the distance, and you know he's listening to children's songs on his headphones. He's, he's not listening to this programme at all. No idea what we're talking about. He's more than happy to, to join in with She'll Be Coming Round the Mountain When She Comes. Always a very popular song. Uh, what else we got here? Quickly, let's check some more of your, uh, your texts and uh, emails uh, about what's going on. Thank you, uh, Julie. On form today, she says. I like to think on form every day. I like to think, you know, it's, it's the way to see you into the day, a way to sort of get you into, uh, into, into Wednesday and, uh, and to sort of hold your hand. Anyway, was, oh, yes, right, yeah. So anyway, I was doing the VAT. And so I find the... Uh, it was ages ago, this story. I can't remember where I moved away from it from. Anyway, so I'm, I'm there and, uh, and I've, I found the invoices, so that was OK. And then I do it and I write all the things down. I put in, you only have to fill in... Two items. First of all, how much VAT you've got to pay them. And because you, and I'm on a flat rate VAT. Like a lot of people, you've got a lot of builders on flat rate VAT. And so you, you charge one amount and then you pay them another amount. So you save a little bit on it. It's, it's, it's quite nice, actually. It works very well. And it, it means you don't have to save any receipts, which I found ghastly. It makes it easier for them. HMRC like it as easy as possible. And now the site is so much easier to manage. The last time I did it, which must have been three months ago, uh, you had to log on to this bit and then onto that bit. And then if you went here, I could, then I couldn't find it. Now you just click on the thing and, uh, and bang, you're paying your VAT. So I did it and it took five minutes. So I then sort of breathed a sigh of relief. I went, oh, thank goodness I've done it. And it makes you, I don't know why, I sort of, I get sort of, I get so worked up trying to do it. And each time it's, it's not difficult. It only appears difficult to me. But then when I actually do the thing, it's done very, very quickly. So for everybody else who is having to do theirs or who hasn't done it yet, start doing it. Start doing it. It doesn't, it really doesn't take too long, provided you remember where you put the invoices and where you've, where you've put the, uh, the codes to actually access your account. It doesn't actually make any difference, because nobody... No, why would anybody else want to pay your account? Unless they do. Uh, so, Egypt is desperate, and here we go. Uh, the Sunrise Grand. Vacancies there. 33 quid a night. It's empty. Uh, deserted. A restaurant at Sharm El Sheikh this week. Deserted. Nobody there at all. There used to be millions of Brits who went there. And they've now got uh, empty sun loungers. The nation's tourist industry has been brought to its knees. Um... By devastating terror attacks, as well as last week's Egypt Air disaster, which killed 66 people on a flight from Paris to Cairo. One in ten of Egypt's 82 million workers, people, work in tourism. Visitor numbers have fallen by 46% in the first three months of this year. In Sharm el-Sheikh, a ban on UK and Russian flights into the Red Sea resort has had a devastating impact. Shopkeepers and traders shouted, welcome home, Englishmen. As we wandered through empty streets and beachside bars, many expressing astonishment at seeing the only Brits in town. They've got, uh, you know, tiny shops and bazaars like Harrods, Selfridges and Asda Price. Before the threat of terrorism, there were hundreds of thousands. They didn't meet anybody when they went over there to do a report on here. And so uh, there's one 38-room hotel which offers guests free accommodation if they book a diving course a week around 190, and some Brits fly in via Italy, Brussels and Istanbul. Some of uh, Hesham's 170 staff were asked to take a 35% pay cut. Not surprisingly, some opted to leave. Uh, they're offering all sorts of things. You know, eight different pools, free drinks, 41 quid a night, sea view rooms, spa, evening entertainment. In Dahab, uh, up the coast, famous for its diver, you can stay at the Deep Blue Divers Hotel for as little as £3 a night. That's how cheap it is. They're so desperate to get you there that they're willing to offer all sorts of deals, hoping that you will then uh, go back. 
uh, security over there in Sharm was, was tight. Photographer Rowan Griffiths and I were followed by police along the beach before three armed plainclothes officers demanded ID documents. You see, that's going to put people off immediately. They demanded ID documents. I can understand security being tight. It's a way of treating people, though. Another pair of British journalists were bundled into a car nearby. ID was taken. And uh, they had to report the four arrests. They called the Egyptian officials, but we were moved half a mile and questioned for two hours outside a diving centre. Uh, we, was told, we were told we couldn't work there without a government licence. Uh, we left on the next flight, got a 6am flight from Cairo. So, to be honest with you, Egypt might be begging and crawling to you, but if this is how they uh, treat somebody, don't go. Don't go. Tunisia's pleading for the British to come back. And, as I say, it's too dangerous at the moment. They're going to need to do an awful lot more. It's not the price. I don't think people care about the price. It's the... It, 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 I mean, it isn't the I don't think it's the price, anyway. I think, I think what it is, it's, uh, it's how safe people feel. You know, it's as, it's as simple as that. How safe do you feel when you actually uh, go to these places? And the answer is you don't feel that safe. But there again, we, we, we tend to worry about just about everything, don't we, really? We sort of worry about walking outside the front door because you don't know. But if you worried about that all the time, you'd never go anywhere. You'd sit in, wouldn't you, with the curtains drawn and everything else. You don't know what's going on. I get into the car this morning. The driver was early. Which they always say it's booked for 2.30, and I go, no, it's booked for 2.15. We have this on a regular basis. And uh, so they always ask you where you're going, because, obviously, you know, like I'm going to be climbing into a cab. I'm the person at that address. And they always ask you where you're going. So it's one like Leicester Square. And your name? I thought, listen, I'm going to Leicester Square. What are the odds of somebody in Twickenham at 2.15 in the morning going to Leicester Square? You know, pretty immense, I would have thought. So are you Steve Allen? Yes. Are you the radio presenter? No. Why would you say yes? Could have ended up anywhere. Uh, also, the papers for today. Gary signing for a new Beeb football show. This is dreary old Gary Lineker, who's threatened to host Match of the Day in his pants. As we've said before, nothing embarrassing about that. It's just a little bit silly and showy-offy, because we've got to suffer with those ghastly crisp adverts, which he does all the time. Do you know that Peppa Pig is worth £1.4 billion? That's how much the branding is worth. £1.4 billion. Wow, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, coming up very shortly, news at five o'clock this morning. Uh, the weight loss operations to treat diabetes. Uh, the British mum facing the boot from Australia. Uh, she went over at the age of two. She's a career criminal. She's a druggie. She's not an Australian. She didn't think that you had to sort of sign up and do all the paperwork so uh, we can get her back here. She's been in prison for, uh, for murder. She's, uh, she's had theft, she's had everything, and she goes, I don't want to come back because I'll miss my children. I thought, well, that's the, that's the problem. You're a career criminal, you pay for it. That's your problem, love. Certainly not ours. Uh, the kids want their dog back. Do you remember the dog that savaged its owner the other day and ripped his throat out? The three kids say, can we have our other dogs back? And the police are saying, you'll wait until we've checked. And they say, but they're family pets. Yeah, like the last one was. Uh, the catering boss and dog food. Ooh. On. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Wednesday, 25th of May. Did you see the pictures in the paper the other day of the kids in China, six-year-olds, smoking these, these vapour cigarettes? And their parents are saying, they're not real. It's only pretend smoke. You think, six-year-old kids? It's not normal, is it? Uh, still to come, the ducket list. 20 things you wish you'd uh, done, but you never got around to. Uh, Prince Andrew's daughters turn up at Chelsea. They're just an embarrassment, aren't they? A little bit like Prince Andrew. 
I mean, seriously, I mean, out of all the royals, you wish he'd just disappear somewhere, don't you? Uh, the weight loss ops to treat diabetes. Uh, a popular poll finds that Prince William's star is on the wane. And the key to long life, wine, sunshine and eating fish, apparently. All of my least favourite things. So the ducket list. This is a, a list of things. They always do lists every so often, don't they? We seem to be a, a nation obsessed by lists. I read a book a short while ago and it was just lists of all different things. You know, your favourite smells, your favourite sweets, your favourite this, favourite that. And this, these are the big dreams that you'd love to have lived. And I wonder how many of these apply to you. Quite a number apply to me, actually, including the first one, which is becoming fluent in a foreign language. That's something, I mean, I've often said that I would love to go to bed at night and then wake up in the morning speaking Chinese, uh, Mandarin or Cantonese or something. I just like to do it. Uh, I just thought that would be a great thing, or German or Japanese or anything like that. Uh, being an extra in a movie. Never interested me in the slightest. Why would you want to be an extra in a movie? Star of the movie, yes, not an extra. Running a marathon, you must be kidding. I wouldn't want to run a marathon at all. Writing a novel, no, no, never interested me. I could write a novel. I mean, nobody's ever written one, as far as I know, about a radio station. Nobody's ever done a novel about, you know, a fictitious radio presenter and, and what he gets up to and that kind, you know. But would that be an interesting novel? I don't know. People say, oh, it's too near to home. But then people write about other things, don't they, really? Uh, becoming a successful blogger. No, I wouldn't want to be a successful blogger. I don't really care. Uh, starting your own business. Uh, well, sort of. Sort of. I wouldn't mind starting an own business. But what sort of business would it be? Having seen Four in a Bed, I sort of omitted from the equation anything to do with running a bed and breakfast. Uh, walking the Great Wall of China. Oh, I'd love to do that. I'd love to walk the Great Wall of China. That's, I mean, that's just, you know, it's one of those great things. Visible from the moon, isn't it? It's one of the only things that's actually visible from the moon. You can see it. Going on an impromptu trip around the world. No, that's an Australian thing, isn't it? Oh, come on, we're going to go and uh, go around the world and sort of meet different people and bore the pants off them as opposed to everybody at home. Uh, so, no, that's not a British thing. I don't think the Brits do this going around the world. Taking a road trip across America. No. No, no interest at all in that. Winning big in Vegas. Well, I mean, just winning big anywhere, I suppose, would be quite nice. Going on a safari. No, thank you. No, far too dangerous. Far too dangerous. Patenting your own design. No, that doesn't interest me either. Starring in a TV show. No, not really. What's the point? You know, once you've been on television, you know, then it means that the public scrutinise everything that you do. So, no, not for me at all. Climbing a mountain. No chance. Auditioning for a play, done that before, uh, which was quite good, and I was in it. I could quite get into Amdram. I could quite do a bit of Amdram. I like I like the uh, the appeal of that. Opening a beach bar, oh that'd be nice, wouldn't it? That would be nice. I was talking to uh, to Richard the other day, and he's actually got the George in Twickenham, and he doesn't drink very much. He's the landlord, and he doesn't drink very much. And I thought that seemed quite a good idea. If you had a beach bar, you'd have to have somebody working there who could do all the nice multicoloured drinks with orange and, and grapefruit and all sorts of... Not that I can have grapefruit, but all these sort of different drinks and straws and everything. And that sounds quite good fun. Going backstage at Coachella Rock Festival. No. Have no interest there. I, th- I noticed that one of the Beckhams turned up to it. That'd be the, uh, the, 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 cue, the, the, the clue to get out as quick as possible. Doing stand-up comedy... I think that's really difficult, really difficult to actually stand there on a stage and hold an audience. Very difficult. And getting a dream job overseas. 
I don't know, what would be a dream job overseas? Opening the beach bar, I suppose. You can hardly do it here, can you? Who's going to open a beach bar in South End or Brighton or something like that? It's got to be on a beach in, you know, in the West Indies or in Bahamas or Australia, God forbid. I don't know, do they have beach bars in Australia? Do they? They do milkshakes and packets of crisps and stuff like that. They don't, oh, they do alcohol. I quite like, I, I quite fancy that idea. I do, I, I sort of, I fancy that idea of sort of sitting there with a fan, you know, playing on it, because I, I can't do heat, so it would have to be air-conditioned. Fridges with lots of cold beers in. Not for me, but for other people. I think that'd be good. Uh, here's a picture of this uh, British mum. Her name is uh, Kelly Webb. She's lived in Australia since the age of two. She killed her abusive stepdad in Australia, and uh, her visa to stay has been revoked under a new law. Recovering drug addict Kelly suffered seven years of domestic abuse before, at the age of 14, she killed her stepdad with a knife. A court gave her a good behaviour bond for manslaughter because of the ordeal, but she got addicted to drugs and was later jailed for burglary. The visa was revoked before her release, and Kelly from Victoria says, I cried for two days. She says, if they send me to England, I will die. I will die of a broken heart because my kids will be here in Australia. Well, you shouldn't have committed all the crimes, should you, darling? I'm terribly sorry. You must have, even you must have known the consequences that if you thieve and if you take drugs, you're going to, uh, you're going to get yourself into trouble. So the only person who's really, you know, made this difficult for you is you. Nobody else has done it. It's nobody else's uh, fault at all. It's just purely your fault. Um, poor old Kay still can't get the uh, the podcast. She said, I've given up. I got Monday and Tuesday, but not Sunday. It's funny. You're the only one who didn't get Sunday. Everybody else got Sunday. Everybody got Sunday now. We, we, we only checked it the other day. I can even tell you the second it went up. I can tell you exactly the time it went up because uh, the producer might checked it the other day. So it's uh, it's it's definitely there. The reason you can't get it, I've got no idea, but everybody else got it. Because normally, if if, if something uh, doesn't get it, uh, d- does doesn't arrive there, it'll be something to do with you having to reboot your system. But uh, it's it's here from our end, and it's gone out to thousands upon thousands already. Uh, what was this one? Somebody said I had to tweet yesterday. I got so tired. I was sitting at home, and uh, and I'd done all all my little bits and pieces, and uh, then. And, I, and then I typed at about, I can't remember what time it was, it was late afternoon. Not that late afternoon, though. I'm so ready for bed, but must cling on for at least another three hours. And I wrote some bloody hope. <laughs> I was so tired. I just, I thought, I've got to go to bed. And then um, and then I, I tweeted about Bert Kwok and, you know, everything else and said, that's it. And uh, And then I got various friends of mine who were sort of tweeting back, especially one of my friends who was tweeting back about... Um, about the fact that I was I was going to bed very very early, and I'd mentioned the fact that I was I was clinging on. Eddie Mayer went cling on. <laughs> so I wrote back cling on, and uh, and then somebody else actually, and then Trevor also retweet retweeted cling on, and then Tracy says have an early night stroke day, and I tweeted about Bert Kwok, and then David said you know not sure who he is. If you see a picture of him, you'll you'll know who he is. Um, he's a very nice man. And then Dave says, I, I, uh, I left the radio on last night and I had a dream we were having coffee and you were telling me about your VAT returns. It does, it does turn into a saga for me. Anything that involves doing the VAT return turns into some blooming saga. It's such a pain. It really is. You'd think it'd be fairly simple for me, but every, every time I get all bogged down with it and I can't manage it. And, I, and then when I've actually done it, I sort of get, get really good. There's a catering firm owner. Might need to be, uh, Spotting this one, he bought dodgy meat from a pet food supplier for his food stalls business has been fined. 
Royley De Silva was caught after neighbours spotted a van emblazoned with the dog's dinner slogan dropping off goods at his home. The, uh, the chef who ran Indian catering firm Royal Food was seen buying raw meat in unmarked bags from the dirty van. Investigators found tubs of offal and pet food inside the unrefrigerated vehicle owned by MG Meats. And food for an upcoming London event was stored in a filthy chest freezer littered with dead flies. Anyway, De Silva, who boasted of a five-star hygiene rated, admitted 16 food safety breaches and was fined £6,500. MG Meats owners David Pegg and William Uzel admitted breaking food laws and were each fined £8,000. Disgusting people. Small wonder you've got no idea what you're eating. We had the, the Indian restaurant the other day where the bloke to cut corners had peanuts and this poor man died within a couple of hours of an anaphylactic shock because he was so allergic to peanuts. And this man had other restaurants. I hope they've all closed by now. Absolutely ghastly. It really is. You can't trust anybody. I'm always dubious of any restaurant where, where the meat is covered in a sauce. So you can't... Um, you can't uh, sort of work it. Somebody says you could open your own Prosecco business. Just selling Prosecco wouldn't really be enough to sort of make it work, would it? It would have to be a bit more. I quite like something. What would I like, actually? I thought I quite fancied a Kentucky Fried Chicken franchise, but they're about apparently one of the most expensive. One of the most expensive. So that, that would be out the window straight away. I think that could be... I wouldn't like to imagine, actually. wouldn't like to imagine. Um, another one here... Uh, this is on... Oh, the Play Misty for me was a novel set in the world of radio. Yes, it was, a, it was a stalker, wasn't it? It was a stalker on radio. I quite like that, actually. I quite like that. And uh, Kasha, thank you very much indeed. And apparently Nigel Kennedy used to be Nigel. Then he was Nigel Kennedy. Then he was K and then he was N or something. And uh, he made a life for himself in Krakow. There's a, do- a documentary on YouTube where Alan Yentob spends a week with him. He's still very successful. And for kicks, he plays jazz violin with a band. I never used to like him. I thought he was a horrible show-off. I don't know. It's only because I can't play the violin, if I could, actually. He's still very down-to-earth and a staunch Aston Villa fan. Wasn't he sort of... Uh, he was a bit... Oh, I, a bit like that, you know. And people went... If you talk like that, you can't play violin because violin's for posh people. So there you go, Richard. Thank you very much indeed. And um, you were talking about strimmers. In South Africa, they're called weed-eaters. To Susan. I love listening to you as I don't sleep well, so the radio's on from 4am. That's what I like to hear, you see. That's why. That's why. Although I don't think that you figure in my audience ratings. I don't think you do. If it actually included all the people overseas, we'd be doing even better than I thought we'd do at the moment. But we definitely have the uh, the spike. It's still there and, uh, and it's still doing very well for us, so we can't complain. Mainly because I think it's four o'clock in the morning and people get up and they're either driving cars or something like that. It's, and, and we don't give too many time checks because you don't want to know if you're still working that it's only four minutes after the last time we gave you a time check or three. It's like if you're in a hospital bed and you're lying there and it's a hospital radio station that you might be listening to. And they go, it's three minutes past four. And then they go, it's six minutes past four. It's eight minutes. And you start thinking, shut up. I don't want to know that my life is vanishing inside this hospital bed. Definitely not. We don't want to know about things like that. Uh, the migrant capital of the UK. One in six of the population was born elsewhere in Europe. Low wages, high housing costs and rising murder rate. But businesses are boosted and foreign workers feel welcome. Uh, because there's lots of uh, there's lots of work for people out there, depending on what you want to do. As I said before, you won't find a coffee shop that doesn't have Polish girls in it at all. 
Although we've got two miserable ones in Starbucks at the moment. In, uh, in Well, one, one miserable one. She can't get it right at all. Totally useless. Totally useless. I have to have a word with Eva. We've got to get rid of her. She's got to go. She can go somewhere else. I don't want somebody messing up my drink first thing in the morning. When, when you say to him, you go in there, and I've now learnt what to order. I go, um, a tall, extra, extra dry, extra shot cappuccino. And that means, it's be- under the terms of what Starbucks define as drinks, that's foam. And most of them, if they're very good, I mean, they know what I drink in there anyway. But uh, if you go into another one, they go, just, do you want any milk at all or just foam? And I go, little tiny bit of milk, just a little tiny bit, because I'm not a huge milk fanatic. And uh, I just want the, the coffee boost. But this girl, she couldn't get it right yesterday. It was like a whole glass of milk, you know, into a cup. That's not extra, extra dry. But uh, as I say, we train them slowly. 16 past five. Morning from seven, only on LBC. And this morning, the former Prime Minister Tony Blair called for ground war against so-called Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. But bearing in mind his past, is he really the right person to be making these comments? We'll hear a story of a British expat who's been declined the right to vote in the EU referendum. Is that fair? And as children's services at one of the country's biggest councils to be run by a voluntary trust following years of failings, Nick will be asking, is this enough to tackle the problem? Nick of the team from Seven, right after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Skita Harry, former Director of Communications at News UK, will be looking at the papers for today. So she's famous for her feminist views and her long-running campaign against pictures of topless women in tabloid newspapers. However, yesterday Harriet Harman found herself accused of hypocrisy for lavishing praise on Kim Kardashian. The American reality TV star is notorious for the increasingly risque pictures she posts on social media, which have shown her topless and nude. Miss Harmon, former deputy leader of the Labour Party, applauded the publicity-hungry celebrity for her bravery and pioneering spirit. But uh, continued her attack on page three girls, criticising male newspaper editors for using young women as fodder. She was being interviewed by Piers Morgan. Yesterday, she says, I am an expert on the Kardashians, I have to confess. The overall message that comes out of the Kardashian women is that they're going to make their own decisions, making their own way in the world. They're not going to be told by anybody what to do. They're going to try things different. Is she in the real world or something? Is Harriet Harman off her trolley at the moment? She's as mad as a piece of fruitcake. Honestly, as mad as Bratislava. Anyway, uh, she's, uh, she says men have been sucking up all the oxygen from the debate on the EU referendum, and so she's written to Ofcom calling for action to ensure a better balance. When it was pointed out to her that the chairman of the Labour in campaign was a man, former Home Secretary Alan Johnson, Miss Harmon said he was an excellent leader, adding, I don't want a women-only team, I want a balanced team. They do worry about this thing, don't they? The trouble is, the page three thing is just, it's not offensive to women, it's just dull. It's just dull and boring. I mean, it's, it's you know, but they all do it. She thinks that the, that the Kardashians and uh, Kim Kardashian is sort, of a, is sort of a leader for some peculiar reason. I can't imagine why. Very odd. The NHS doctor in the paper today. Uh, this is the man who's deserted his family. Issam Abouanza left his wife and two young daughters penniless in Sheffield when he ke- fled the country. He's gone to join the Islamic State killers. This is the uh, the man. I mean, he's quite clearly not the full shilling, is he, or the full ticket at all. He, uh, in one post, he said he wished that a Jordanian pilot that IS murdered, uh, they burnt him alive in a cage, uh, he wished he'd taken longer to die. I mean, you know, this man, I hope a drone kills him very, very shortly. Uh, he's said to come from a family of doctors... And uh, he's the first NHS clinician to join the extremists. 
In uh, January, he celebrated the Charlie Hebdo terror attack in Paris. The following month, he wrote about the killing by IS militants of a captured Jordanian pilot. He said, I would have liked for them to burn him extremely slowly and I could treat him so we could torch him once more. Um, he's a rather pathetic, useless waste of space. As I say, if he gets killed by a drone, it won't be too soon, will it? So he's heading in the right direction, which is good news. Um, if you want to succeed, girls, I say girls because this is aimed specifically at girls, stand like a man. I didn't understand it either. I had no idea what they were talking about. Apparently, the key to appearing confident, knowledgeable and inspirational is to adopt a typically male power pose. I don't know what a power pose is. Do you know what a power pose is? Not a, oh, you wouldn't know, would you, really? You don't do power poses, do you, at all? They, the, what, what they did, they actually showed people uh, a video of an actress delivering a short speech. Several versions. The only difference being the way she stood. And most people like the powerful way that she stood. So it's sort of, presumably it's sort of with your legs slightly, uh, slightly apart. That's it. And gesturing with a hand. You see, it's feet, isn't it? It's that if you stand with your legs together, it doesn't look so good. If you if you sort of open your legs a little bit, that gives you more of a power thing and you can and do that. I think that I think that's how it works. I'm not too sure. Sarah Vine says, why do so many fawn over this grubby trollop? And uh, this is uh, Kim Kardashian West. She says, few things make me feel as if I'm living on the wrong planet. Quite as much as the horror show that is Kim Kardashian. Her flying visit to London at the weekend sparked predictable hysteria, with fans clambering over each other to get within selfie snapping distance of their icon. Many witnessing this unlovely spectacle would have been utterly baffled, and understandably so. The truth is that this absurd woman has no discernible talent at all. Not unless you count having a gigantic rear end and starring in a reality TV series, which makes the Jeremy Kyle show look classy. But then what do you expect from a woman whose career was launched by a sex tape? Exactly, I can't understand it at all. A grubby old trollop. But then we've got loads of people like that in this country. Why are we hailing somebody and sticking him into pantomime? A former cokehead who goes on television to talk about her dreary existence. Why would you bother doing that? Why would we be remotely interested in anything that Katie Price has to say? You know, a woman who wouldn't know one end of a pencil from the other. But in, when it comes to the Kardashians, you know, and after, you know, we've just had Labour's Harriet Harman admitting that she's a fan and says that she's to be applauded, you can only assume that Harriet Harman's brain has gone out for lunch or for a walk somewhere. I mean, Kim Kardashian West is the most dreary person. They came in here. They came in here, there were loads of people standing about. I said, for what? What would you be standing outside to look at? There is nothing. She's quite unremarkable looking. She's a little bit like anything from Geordie Shaw, but with a different accent. That's the only thing I can think of. I can't think of anything. Why we applaud, you know, people in this country, who aren't even from this country, and we seem to applaud them, and people queue up and go, yeah, I love it, and all the rest of it. And you think, but why are you doing that? Why is that working? Why does that work? I don't, I don't quite understand. They did a piece in the paper the other day on, on Prince Harry. And quite clearly, the uh, royal family are trying to find something for Harry to do. The more things they find for him to do, like go out with his brother and uh, the wife. Because now, no, now, now the brother is mainly located in, in Norfolk. It's a bit too far for the journalist to trek, so they have to rely on local people. Uh, to keep him informed on what he's doing, or, in his case, what he's not doing. And Harry just drags around, so presumably there's a phone call going, Harry, we're, we're doing the Chelsea Flower Show. Do you want to come with us? Uh, yeah, not doing anything. OK, that's it. Because Harry, I mean, there was a rumour the other day, whether it was true or not, I don't know, that the Queen was going to send him to elocution lessons because he can't speak properly. You know, when you think all these people are supposed to be terribly posh, this is, this is the upper echelons. I've heard people on television, remember Brian Sewell, 
the art critic, terribly, terribly like that, terribly, terribly. And, and nobody in the royal family talked terribly, terribly like that. The Queen's just got a fairly basic, normal voice, a little bit squeaky. Uh, Philip is just, you know, a little bit like that. And Charles is a little bit like that. And then you've got William, who's a bit drippy. And Harry, who doesn't know where he's coming from. I suppose because he's sort of hanging around. And he's got the hairiest arms you've ever seen. I mean, seriously, he looks like a sloth. You know, you see that I love sloths. They did a, they did a feature on them on the television the other day about this farm. that was that, Were they sloths? They hang upside down, don't they? And they're very, they're very hairy, all this hair. And, and I thought, oh, that'd be quite nice. And then you look at Prince Harry and you think, he looks kind of similar. He looks kind of similar. The most brazen wag of all. Here she is. Three children, three fathers, fling with Peter Andre. And uh, this is Becky. Becky can get married. Becky's been round the block quite a few times. And uh, they say no wonder Jamie Vardy's parents won't be at the wedding today. Uh, she's an attention seeker. I suppose, actually, if you were going to say anybody, three children with three dads, it's not quite as bad as four by four, is it? Which is Ulrika Johnson and a few other people. Somebody complained about it. Was it complained on the television? Oh, it's the one who went out with that bloke from Five, the sweaty one from Five, who was running a bar in Australia and uh, then got her pregnant. And so she's now got, is it five by four or four by four? They're still living in the same house, which is very odd. And... Um, and she was in a... I think she might have been Atomic Kitten. Might have been. I can't remember. And uh, and so they, they've got these children. And then the relationship finishes. And you think, what's the point? It's obviously people who just want to go and have children. So three children, three different dads. And then Jamie Vardy's going to marry her. Perhaps he likes shop soiled. I don't know. In my day, it was all different. But then things do change. I accept that. Here's a Volkswagen camper. It could sell... For £120,000. It's the 1957 Type 2 Samba Microbus. Highly sought after. 23 windows. Split screen model. It spent most of its life in America. Shipped to the UK. It'll be sold by Bonhams. It's been given a guide price of between eighty pounds to £120,000. Good grief. It's just a fortune, isn't it? I do love it when, when, they, when they do them up. I do love it when they actually do them up. I think that, you know, they look absolutely stunning. Over in uh, America, Bill Cosby is uh, going into court. Uh, he admitted having sex with teenage girls who were paid hush money to stop his wife finding out court evidence. So stop his wife finding out court evidence revealed the other day. And I did watch that film Spotlight. It's a very interesting cover-up by the Catholic Church to stop paedophile priests being exposed. And at the very end, they say paedophile priests have been found in, and then they show you all the churches. There's a list that goes forever and a day of how many paedophile priests there were uh, operating just in America. Over here, there were paedophile priests operating. It seems to be within the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church tried to cover it up. All they did, they offered hush money. So in other words, what they did, they would call the family in and say, listen, he's going to be going to get treatment. The Boston Globe was the paper that exposed it. He's going to be going to get treatment. Here's, say, for example, $20,000. And for that, you then sign an affidavit saying you won't pursue any more cases. And they'd paid off about 80 to 100 children who'd been systematically abused by paedophile priests within the Catholic Church. I'm quite sure it happens within other churches as well. But it seems to be within the Catholic Church, and that's why this film is so important, because the paper went against everything that had been known. Nobody ever challenged the Catholic Church, and uh, they, were, they were protecting people who they knew to be paedophiles. That was the worst thing about it. It's a very good film, Oscar-winning. Uh, what have we got now? 5.30, LBC News time, with the latest headlines. It's Rupert Bartia. The Black Wolf. Eve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. 27 minutes to six. Somebody says, extra dry coffee, a cup of foam, and you pay for it? You're earning too much money, mate. 
Yep, well, there you go. That could be said. No, that's quite normal, actually. Extra dry is quite normal. Obviously, you can't afford to go in coffee shops, I can tell, if you've never heard of, uh, of extra dry. Because that's what it is, isn't it? People have... People have extra dry coffee. I don't know why we have extra dry coffees. It's just I'm not really a milk fan. I just prefer to get the uh, the caffeine hit. And I like it as well. I'm, I'm very good with it as well. And uh, somebody else says, it's very amusing. Once we transported our criminals to Oz, now they're sending them back. I know. That's where we got rid of people, wasn't it? That's why, you know, when you look at people, you might think there's a vague sort of glimmer of recognition goes over your face when you're looking at maybe neighbours or home and away. Uh, anybody in Summer Bay, they all look like criminals, don't they? Uh, Steve, uh, Amanda Holden was at one time married to Les Dennis, and uh, now she's trying to be a so-called celebrity. No, she started her life on Cilla Black's um, programme, Blind Date. That's where Amanda came from. Quite a few came from there. Jenny Faulkner came from, from Blind Date as well. That was the, There used to be a guy on there, I remember, I don't know what's ever happened to him, I think he was a window cleaner who did impressions. And he, I used to like Blind Date. It's Blind Date. And then the screen would go back and you go, oh my God, Father. Because you can only rely on somebody's voice, uh, which was good. So um, she used Les as a stepping stone. Well, they, they were married for quite a while, Barry. Married for quite a while. If you read her book, she's, I mean, she's been in the business for ages. I mean, she went to stage school. And I I like her, actually. I thought her book was really good. It didn't sell huge volumes. But there again, I shouldn't imagine anybody's going to be buying Fern McCann's book anytime soon. That'll be used as a doorstop. Why would you be interested in somebody who's been alive about five seconds? What's the point? There's there's no point. Kevin the Milkman says, maybe if I posted a selfie of myself naked... I don't know, I felt quite quite bilious then. Uh, Harriet Harman would applaud me for making my own way in life. Either that or go away feeling queasy. (laughs) Should we stick with queasy? I like, uh, I like, uh, I like Queasy. Queasy, Queasy's funny, actually, I think. (laughs) It is true, though, isn't it? I I just don't understand why Harriet Harman would say that Kim Kardashian is, she's doing her own thing. (laughs) You know, it's, it's not, not really that, not really that interesting, I'm afraid. Not interesting at all. Uh, Bobby Texan emails, on the subject of women standing, there is a, a trend for women to stand with their legs crossed says Big Julie, a bit like Victoria Derbyshire. She says, I think, or they think, it makes them look slimmer. I think it makes it look as though they just want to go to the toilet. You know, if you stand there with your legs crossed. But apparently, if you stand with your legs slightly apart, that makes, it, it's more power dressing, isn't it? I think it. I think it's more uh, power, power, is it power dressing? It's something like that, anyway. Uh, Sainsbury's, I've got Prosecco at £2.63 a bottle. Six bottles need to be purchased. I couldn't drink anything. At two pounds sixty-three a bottle, thank you very much indeed. I've got far better, uh, far better uh, taste than two pounds sixty-three. I think between five and seven pounds is about the ideal price. Uh, Kasha says, "Do you happen to buy something that's called a suspended coffee?" I've never even heard of it. Suspended coffee? What the dickens is that? No, I do extra, extra dry, extra shot, and I've drunk it for years. And you just get it. You get the hit of the coffee quite quickly. And uh, you don't have to drink loads of milk to get there because milk and me are not uh, not particularly. It's all right, but it's, it's not particularly brilliant. But it's something that uh, I don't I don't want to um, I don't want to indulge in. Feel sorry for a lady called Carol Howarth. Carol Howarth, and this would frighten the life out of me because I've had this before in the car. Not not quite as as bad as this. Uh, she goes down to the town, and she's driving her Mitsubishi Outlander. And she's having, you know, a fairly nice day, so she parks up, and the next thing, 20,000 bees cover the car. The queen bee, apparently, is, uh, is in the boot. 
I don't know how it's in the boot. Anyway, uh, the local um, park ranger and three beekeepers removed the swarm, placed it into a box, only for the wind to blow it off the car, so they had to start all over again. Eventually, the bees were under control, and with the drama safely over, Mrs Howarth drove off in her 4 by 4 only to discover hundreds of bees were following her. They were flying behind the car. I would absolutely be bricking it by this time. She says it was incredible. She said, I've never seen anything like it. It just goes to show the power of nature. The bees first descended after the Queen found herself stuck in the boot, but they were not to be brushed off easily, and some of the swarm followed her on the two-mile trip home. So she goes two miles, she gets there, and they're still with her. Such is the such is the pull. So she had to call out the beekeepers again to remove the last ones. A little bit embarrassing, isn't it? A little bit embarrassing. I mean, because... And bees are fairly good. I mean, I've seen beekeepers. Martha Carney, of course, the much-applauded uh, much broadcaster. She does beekeeping. I think Bill Turnbull does beekeeping as well. And, and people like it. And I've been to watch beekeeping, and it's very clever. And they're very docile. They appear to be. Bees are nice. It's only there's a, there's a new presence, isn't there, of sort of sort of killer wasps kind of things. But uh, once, once the queen goes off... I know, you're supposed to move hives at night time. And once you've moved the hive... A friend of mine had a hive move because they had a lot of problems years ago with some illness that was affecting a lot of bees. And they go out, and depending on where they're near, then they gather the flowers and the pollen from those flowers. So that determines what the honey looks like. Don't ever think that all honey looks the same. It's all different. And uh, it's quite amazing. I can't eat it because it's just sugar, obviously. But uh, 20,000 of them decide to follow them. And then they follow the car, a few hundred of them. That would be enough, actually. That would be enough to actually frighten the life out of me. It'd be like sort of killer bees. But they're, they're all right. You, you can literally just sort of brush them off, and they're, they're fairly good. And I told you yesterday, when I'm watering the plants, they're actually very good. They, they don't uh, interfere with anything at all. <laughs> well, so far, that's what it's like. One of these days, I'm going to get stung. But I, I think that bees don't. Bees, bees don't stink. Wasps stink because they can keep continually uh, stinging. Uh, Steve, uh, Fern McCann, says Andrew in Shepherd's Bush. Fern McCann's autobiography. I'd rather read the phone book. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't understand why anybody would have persuaded her to... I mean, but, has she climbed Everest or done something, Kilimanjaro or something something interesting? Has she done anything at all apart from beyond Towie? And that's it. Who cares? Who cares? I'm surprised that she managed to get a book out of it. I really am. Took the dog out early yesterday morning. You came too, says Lynn. Coming towards me was a woman taking her dog to the park and she was dressed in her pyjamas and dressing gown. Is it just me or is this peculiar? No, it's a certain sort of people. We call them chavs. They go out and they, they turn up at the school gate. The kids manage to get dressed for school, but the mother is, has an inability to actually get dressed. There's something the matter with them. They're, they're, they're not the full shilling, these people. Uh, you're so right, says Jill. Uh, often when I ask for a cappuccino, I get a milky coffee nowadays. I was told by a barista that people complain when they get too much foam is they're not getting their money's worth. So why don't they have a latte? Yeah, I mean, I don't understand that either, but I like extra, extra dry. Our barrister downstairs, Dan, he, uh, I, it's the only time I actually drink a cappuccino. I could probably actually, you know, have, have it sort of done completely differently. But uh, I just happen to like it like that. And I like the, the coffee and I like the taste. Of it. it just gives me that boost. I used to have two a day, now only one a day, which I think is better. Connor's had a, a new shower fitted. He says, I'm like a child with a new toy. Had three showers in one day. More fun than my last one and a bit more powerful and looks good. Yes, I don't have an electric shower. They used to be the in thing, didn't they, years ago? I've just got something that, because my water pressure is brilliant, I've got um, 
is it a tap combo thing? You just pull up a thing in the middle, and I've got this uh, shower head, which is really fantastic, which I love. And uh, and that's perfect. Absolutely perfect. I'm not sure an electric shower. I've seen them before. I, I just, just didn't fancy the idea. I'm slightly disturbed. Uh, skinny Prosecco. Fewer calories than an apple. Uh, Jenny in Fulham says, uh, bank holiday boozing? Upside down question mark. Because it is bank holiday coming up this Monday. Your opportunity to go out and do something exciting, like what? I've got no idea. But uh, we'll, we'll try and come up with some, some ideas. Uh, Alan says, with you on the coffee, extra shot, little milk and very hot lattes for kids. Yes, they're girly coffees, aren't they? And I hate the people as well who go, have so-and-so, 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 and then they, 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 they take it to one side, then they take the lid off, and then they put in loads of sugar. After they've done the sugar, they then put sort of sprinklings of cinnamon on the top. It's just a cup of milk, for God's sake. It's, it's, you know, people obviously want to get their money's worth, don't they? Whereas I couldn't care less. I just want a cup of coffee that I can, uh, that I can enjoy. I'm not bothered about anything else at all. I'm only bothered about a cup of coffee that I enjoy. I don't want to cover it with cinnamon and stick sugar in it and everything else. <laughs> Steve, I had a bee in my flat. Opened two windows wide and the little one still couldn't find its way out. Cute, but slightly dopey. We had bees causing havoc at Asda in Luton on Sunday. Shoppers had to lock their cells in the store. Yes, I mean, it's, you know, once you get a few in there. I had a wasp in the car once. I could understand how people could have accidents. It was I was going going round the Hammersmith one way system and this wasp appeared from I don't know where it appeared from because I don't open the windows of the car well not since that day uh, but sometimes they, they can come in another way they seem to have, I don't know how it got into the, I can't work out how it got into the car it might have come in through the air conditioning unit but in which case it would have been frozen when it got there and you know you can hear them before you see them where is it where horrible frightens the life out of me and so if ever i get one at one in the kitchen i've got to get it out i couldn't just leave it there because i'd be too worried it would turn up while i was asleep so a dread fear of wasps and i think they know that i think they uh i you know i think they're well aware of that whereas bees are just you know they just kind of wander about they just wander about and they don't sort of they just want to go and collect the pollen and go back to the hive but i don't know do bees sleep all these things. I mean, they don't surely spend their entire life collecting pollen. Can they sleep on the wing? They did a thing um, over in, was it Indonesia? Something like that. And it was a man who got a bee and he, he caught it. And he wanted to know where its nest was uh, so that they could harvest the honey. And so they catch this bee and it settles on a... Whatever it is, it's a sticky thing. And they put a little harness round it. And attached to the harness is a piece of material. A very light piece of material, like a fine bit of silk. And then they let the bee go. And, of course, it heads straight back for the hive. And they just follow the little bit of silk that's floating in the air as the bee's flying back. When they get there, they then get sort of a pole with flames on the top of it. So they can get the hive down, which is in the tree, which has got all the honey that they, they require. It's quite a laborious act, and I think some bees lose their life. And, um, and I, I was fascinated by how they actually got this thing in the first place. It was amazing. Uh, have you seen the house in America? There was a giant hive. So much honey in the walls. So many bees, says Rob. Yeah, I mean, a, a friend of mine had, um, I think it was a wasp's nest in his garage, which was a work of art. I mean, seriously, it was made up of chewed-up paper. And these, this thing was about two foot across, suspended from the ceiling. And you look at it and you go, wow. 
That must be like a citadel for them. A citadel. It was fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Loved it. Uh, but, of course, you, you can't have it there because you get all the wasps coming in and it's a bit dangerous because wasps get a bit aggressive. So you call a little man round and he will, he will take it uh, away. Uh, there's a couple here in the papers proving once and for all that you really shouldn't argue with your neighbours. And I'll tell you the story of how one couple are so far down the drain with their money they might never recover again. Quarter to six. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. So here is the bad neighbour story. Now, when I say bad neighbour story, this is one of those... uh, One of those stories where you think, oh, thank goodness it's not me. And this is a petty row. It's always a petty row, isn't it? Once you start a neighbour's argument it can only go one way and that's badly wrong and this is the row over who should foot the bill for a blocked drain and it's left one couple with lawyers fees of more than three hundred thousand pounds john van dick and his wife bernadine sued their next door neighbor over the nuisance of rainwater flooding their backyard they initially won the case and were awarded £4,227 damages to cover the cost of work carried out to fix the problem. However, this has now been overturned at the Court of Appeal, and the Van Deeks must cover both parties' legal costs. Mr Van Deeks says it's scaring me to death. It's not what I wanted, and it's very distressing. The saga began when the couple claimed that repair work done for a neighbour, Terry Court in 2007, had effectively blocked their access to a private sewer between their homes in York, and it had caused the flooding. In September, they won their case at York County Court and were handed damages. The judge, Tim Kerr QC, ruled that the flooding was actually due to work carried out by Mrs Court's contractor in 2000, which had blocked the private drain. But Mrs Court appealed on a technicality, arguing that the neighbours had not claimed that the earlier work was to blame. The case against her was dismissed... And this week, Lord Justice Floyd said the Van Deeks claim was a specific case of nuisance based solely on the work done in 2007. He said when it emerged the drain had been blocked since 2000, basing the argument against Mrs Court on its obstructions by the later works, it had to fail. Mrs Court was given no proper warning that the case was based on anything other than the 2007 repairs. In my judgment... He says the later works did not cause an actionable nuisance. Mrs Court was doing no more than penning back the water emerging from the gully. The decision left Mr Van Dyck, a fencing company director, and his wife having to pay their own legal fees, estimated at £220,000 and Mrs Court's bill of £89,000. You don't want to go to court, do you? Lord Justice Floyd said it's regrettable that the litigation continues only because of the enormous sums which are at stake. Anyway, they've uh, they they bought the house for four hundred and sixty-five thousand, and uh, that was eleven years ago. So it could be worth considerably more now. It looks quite nice. I've obviously had a, a roof extension, and they're not sure if their insurance company would contribute towards the payments. Mr. Van Deek added he'd been reluctant to take the legal route, but his insurer said it was an easy case. I didn't even want to do it. He said it's crippling me. Mrs. Court declined to comment. So somebody's £300,000 down. I mean, I don't know how many of you can just produce £300,000. The, the one thing is, one, if, if ever you get into a dispute with a neighbour, do try and sort it out before it even hits the courts, because it could be expensive. We've seen this, you know, uh, so many times. I've seen so many people who've got caught out and then they have to pay the thing. There was another... Where did I find this other piece? There was a lovely little piece about uh, Nancy Delusional. Uh, in one of the papers for today. Uh, Nancy, who turned up at some garden party, 
and uh, one of the columnists was saying that they'd obviously got into a, into a conversation with her and uh, and she'd been sort of saying, you know, about uh, the men in this country, they don't want to go out with me because I'm a very successful, uh, you know, powerful woman. And she said, well, she's not actually. She had to be evicted from a house. Uh, then she owed one of the landlords rent. She doesn't appear to have a job either. So Nancy delusional, very delusional. Stage show, total disaster. So obviously not the clever person she kind of thinks she is. And that's always the worrying trend, isn't it, when you start believing your own publicity. So so best best not to worry about it. Nancy delusional. As I say, I just don't understand where she's coming from or what she does. The answer is she doesn't actually do anything, does she? Colleen Rooney set to sign a mega deal to fly to the uh, Australian jungle for I'm a celebrity. Why would she give up the kids? Oh, sorry. She probably thinks this is another holiday. Let's go to Australia for a change. And so TV bosses are planning a big payday for her after she admitted being a huge fan of the show. Well, she's got kids of six and three. Why would she... And, and she, she wants to show her newborn kit how tough she is. She won't be going out to the jungle. Why would she do that? What, and dump the kids on him at home? Or perhaps her parents look after them. Perhaps she does that. I don't know. I see her more of a stay-at-home mother. I don't see her doing anything else at all. And also offering her a lot of money. Justifiable by how? She's not the most live wire I've ever seen. She is, you know, possibly one of the most dreary people. She's got that dreadful droning voice. You know, it makes Sally Jacks an ideal world look as if she's educated. And you sort of think to yourself, what, what would be the purpose of her going out there? I mean, what, what would she reveal? She wouldn't be good value at all. Well, you pay somebody a lot of money when she's already got a lot of money. What would she have in common with anybody, apart from being common? I can't think of any other reason why she goes out there. You don't see her as some sort of saviour, do you? I had to laugh at old uh, Cheryl Watts-a-face. He's on the front of, um, of Hello! magazine. Cheryl and Liam... Uh, inside their romantic night. They went out, there was some some honour given to her for the work she does with her charitable foundation, which, of course, we hear so little about, do we? And um, and it was sort of interesting. She had to go to Paris, and it's something set up by Eva Longoria. And when you actually look at it, it looks like it's very uh, very cheap kind of thing. But they say it's it's for the work she's done with her foundation. And I thought, what work does she do with her foundation? I wasn't, uh, wasn't aware. We don't see her sort of going off to the office, do we, doing anything particularly interesting. Lady Victoria Hervey, new author, wants motherhood to be part of her life story. What a bore she is. I didn't realise somebody could be that dull and that boring. In our previous home, Steve, we had uh, a wasp's nest in the loft and they ate their way through the bedroom ceiling. They do. I had to call the exterminator. Yes, yes. Great show, Steve. Yes, I know about the honeybees. They only sting the once. And they know that. I think they know that if they sting you when they fly away, they leave half their abdomen in your arm. Oh, I saw a dreadful picture the other day. A most dreadful picture. And it was of a woman who'd been swimming and a shark, a little shark, this was only, you know, two or three feet long, had clamped onto her arm and wouldn't let go. Oh, dear. That would just about... That would, that would just about see me off, I think. I don't think I could cope with that at all. Anything like that. It's like we used to have a, a dread fear years ago of jellyfish. In Hong Kong, we were surrounded by jellyfish. And sometimes there'd be swords, swarms of them coming in. I don't think swarm is the right word for jellyfish. We used to get loads of them coming in. And we used to sort of look at them on the beach and sort of not play with them, but you could sort of move them with your, with your little bucket and spade and stuff like that. But we were terrified of bumping into them in the water. Oh, terrified. Here's a picture of little Chloe Moretz. This is uh, the girly friend of Brooklyn Beckham. That's Brooklyn who doesn't actually do anything at the age of 17. We can't work out, nobody can work out, none of the columnists have worked out, whether or not poor old Brooklyn Beckham actually goes to school or whether he's homeschooled 
or whether he's given up school already. We've got no idea, but is he a barista? Is he a photographer? It appears to be nobody. He just seems to be wasting his life at the moment. You'd have thought, actually, with sort of mummy and daddy, although daddy appears not to be doing too much at the moment, but mummy's sort of tiddling about all over the world, that they would have instilled something in him. But obviously the something in him is, here's another photographer to take a picture of you. And, uh, and we have to sort of go, oh, that's all very exciting. No, not really, not really. Uh, Fury, as uh, club belts out Harvey's telly C-word, this is uh, the encouragement that was given by Jordan to her son to use the C-word on loose women, and then they had to apologise, and people, people in the country seem to be fairly divided by it, which was, uh, which was interesting. I was just worried that uh, a lad of 13 was using language like that until somebody pointed out she probably uses this word every time at home. I would think she probably does. She looks like that sort of person. Can't imagine her, actually, because she loses her temper quite a lot. Uh, I'm also a little bit bored with people with ripped jeans. Can we kind of do away with this silly little fashion? What is so clever about having two slits on your knees? I mean, it's just the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Anybody, if, if ever I see anybody walking past me and they've got those ripped jeans on, I always go, like that. It always makes me laugh. And uh, tell me you haven't got them. You tell me you haven't got Rip G. Oh, for goodness sake. How old are you? How old are you? What are you, 16 or something? They're not for... You've really got jeans with rips in? Oh, God, honestly. At the knees. Oh, how awful. What's the point? Explain to me. Is it so your knees get a tan? What is the point of having rips on there? And don't tell me it's fashion. There's nothing fashionable. You might as well just leave them with moths and let moths do their worst. You know, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Buying a pair of jeans that have got the knees with a, with a rip on there. Did you actually buy them like that? Did you buy them like that? Tell me you didn't buy them like that. You had an old pair of jeans and you just sort of cut hold to make yourself look trendy. I mean, I don't want to ruin your life for you, but you're way too old to be wearing that kind of stuff. That's for younger people. It's for younger people. It's people my age to wear that. It's like there are certain things you cannot wear when you get to a certain age. When you get to my age, unless you're in the rock business, you can't wear leather trousers. I certainly could not have any justification in walking down the road in a pair of jeans with holes by the knees. I mean, what is... Explain to me, as a fashion item, what's the point of it? Is that to show people that you've got knees... Or is it to show people that you're on trend? What's the point of it? There's no point at all. You're just following like a stupid sheep, which is ridiculous. Yeah, I got that. And, uh, no, I haven't. Of course I haven't. <laughs> of course I haven't. Why would I have a, I'm, I'm more, well, I'm certainly older than you, but I wouldn't buy anything like that. Uh, somebody says, is it true that sharks sleep moving? No, they do actually uh, stop. They do stop. They had a man who, he had a shark, and if you turn it upside down... He turned the shark upside down and it went to sleep. You can do the same with chickens, I believe. If, if you turn a chicken upside down, I'm not advising because I don't know where you're going to get one at this time of the morning. But you can do it with sharks, apparently. He, he did this and he demonstrated if you turn them upside down, they get lulled into a false sense of security. <laughs> I wouldn't go anywhere near it. There's a man who was in a cage. I think it's up on YouTube. And he, uh, he's in this cage. And these three great white sharks come close. Have you ever seen the size of great white sharks? potentially man-killers. They're not deliberately man-killers. They'll, they'll go for anything. They're, they're more into seals and stuff like that. But uh, the, the, this bloke in the cage, he said, it was so close to me, he said I could have reached out and touched it. So that would frighten me. You, know, you don't know what's, what's under the water, do we? We do not know what is under the water. Uh, Steve, uh, do be sleep. 
You are so funny. I know, I just think about it. Do you think they all go to sleep at the same time? Do you think they all get into their hive? and Because they all seem to be terribly busy, don't they, in the hives? And you think, at some point, one of the bees is going to go, do you know, I'm really, I can't fly out anymore. This, this pollen's weighing me down. Just have a little snooze. And do, they, and do they sleep, or are they just little machines, and they just keep going? It's like horses. How many horses do you see? When I went past London Zoo the other week in Regent's Park, two of the camels were lying down. They've only got two, so both of them are lying down. And it was like they were always going, I can't stay awake any longer. I'm going to have a lie down. Uh, cows do it, but they don't actually lie down, do they? Horses, I'm led to believe, sleep standing up. I'm not sure about that. I can't remember how it works. And do they just doze? Do they just doze? I don't know. We'll have to wait and find out, won't we? This programme's rocketing through this morning. It really is. Uh, still to come on the programme, well, apart from the news at six o'clock, uh, the popular poll finds that Prince William's star is on the wane. Uh, is Kim Kardashian a good role model for who? Who are these people who go, Kim, Kim, let's take a selfie with you. Egypt's desperate for the Brits to return. I don't think we're so keen. And uh, Prince Andrew's daughters, what do they do? Answer, they do nothing. Nothing at all, I'm afraid. Colleen Rooney could be heading to the jungle. Uh, Jordan wants to appear with Peter Andre and Loose Women. She thinks it'll be fun, she said. We'll be ribbing each other. They've had six years of litigation, haven't they? Backwards and forwards. Peter's agent, quite rightly, uh, is saying, I know nothing about this at all. Let's hope it stays that way. And um, they think it's all sober. England versus Wales, booze ban. All of that and more. Coming next with Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Four minutes past six. It's nice to have your company. It's Wednesday, the 25th of May. And if you're one of those who gets paid monthly, today is payday. Or not in the case of some people. I've just got the feeling about mine today. I don't know why. I've just got a feeling I'm not going to get paid today. I don't know why. I just had had this strange feeling. And I was talking to the newsreader, Paul, earlier on, and he didn't get paid today. And, I, and he said, he said, I thought I wasn't going to get paid as well. I said, it's funny, I had that thought. Anyway, Christians are losing faith in the church. Half of Britons are now atheists. Oh, I think that's a bit of a shame. Mind you, more and more churches are turning into houses, aren't they? I've often said I could live in a church. Uh, verging on the ridiculous, the strimmers axe because of elf and safety. The flexiphone, which bends around your wrist. And the Billy Elliot star, Jamie Bell, has joined the race to be the next James Bond. Shaken, not stirred. Yes, I don't know. I don't think he looks old enough, Jamie. I, I think you need to look a little bit older, and I don't think he's uh, he's looking old enough at the moment. Uh, Gaza's still on the booze, I'm afraid. It's uh, I don't know what more we can do. We've tried everything, haven't we? He's been to rehab. He's come out of rehab. He's gone into rehab. He's come out of rehab. He's gone back in again. And at the end of the day, we've got no idea what is going on. At age, Steve, should one stop wearing trainers? That's a difficult one. That is a difficult one. I don't know the answer to that. I thought it would have been about... Because I don't have any trainers. I have... Actually, I tell a lie. I have got a pair of trainers, but they don't have laces in. They've got Velcro over the top. Which is... I know. I know. It's the ultimate old man shoes. Seriously. Because it's so much easier. Because I can't get down there to do laces. But it's like the producer, you know, sort of, he's got rips in his jeans. And it's on the knees. And I can't work out, you know, where this rubbish started. I saw Joey Essex, poor simpleton, the other day. They were trying to explain something to him. But what was it about? Whatever it was, he didn't understand anything at all. And I wasn't sure if he was just playing dumb or he'd not been through the education system. I'd like to sit down with Brooklyn Beckham and find out just how intelligent he is. He can make a cup of coffee and use a camera. And that seems about all he can do, really. And he can go and and do other things. But uh, but trainers, can you wear them at a certain age? When I go to the, the train station, when I go to Waterloo in the morning... 
a lot of women get off the trains with trainers on because they obviously can't walk in their shoes. And so that that's that's why it's an it's an interesting conundrum. Do you walk in high heels or do you not? And uh, and you do see men wearing a suit, but with trainers on. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm I'm not sure about at what age you should stop wearing trainers. See, in my day, it was plimsolls. And you could wear those up until the age of 60, I think. Uh, when I was younger, Steve, holes in my jeans would have got me in trouble. But I got mine from having an active childhood of skateboarding and playing outside. Oh, right. So that's obviously the uh, the way. Philip in Bournemouth says jeans worn around your bottom exposing the underpants is worse than jeans with slits on the knees. Yeah, I just think that's I think both of them are absolutely just a dreadful look. You know, people with their jeans halfway down their bottom showing you their pants. I think it's just ridiculous. But this thing of having both knees, what's the point of it? It just looks silly. So you've ruined a perfectly good pair of jeans. That's what the producer did. He actually had his jeans. And then he sort of, he actually put the cuts in there himself, which is, which is even worse. Even worse, he's actually massacred a pair of jeans so that he can be on trend. So people think that he's, it doesn't matter whether they're old or new. It's the fact that at your age, you seriously have to do something to think you look trendy. Because other people have got jeans with slits on the knees. So you've taken a pair of old jeans and you've cut a hole in the... How? Well, I can't... I can't even get my head around it. I can't imagine. It's like my boss walking in, you know, and having jeans with rips on the knees. It's just ridiculous. I mean, they got this in Australia. I'm always amazed at how things transfer, actually. So if you go back to Australia... Don't you think there's loads... Of, I mean, there's, there's girls walking down the high street with rips in their knees. Might as well just cut them off and call them trousers, which are now shorts or culottes or something like that. I don't quite understand it. I don't understand fashion full stop. I really don't. Uh, talking of bees, do you know anything about hornets? Says Jack from Coach Trip. I don't, actually. I don't like the sound of them. I don't like... Them. Myself and Adam from Coach Trip were sat having a chat last night, and I'm not joking, a hornet about five inches long... And an inch in diameter nearly landed on us and gave Adam the biggest fright since the yellow card. Do you know anything about them? There is a super hornet, isn't there? Is this the one that's, that's killing the bees off? I don't like anything, anything that buzzes near me. I tried sitting outside a restaurant once down in Twickenham at the end of Church Street. There's a nice little restaurant called Pincho's. And I sat outside there and I was eating my food and a wasp came around. And what you can't do with wasps is get, go away and whack it with your hand because it'll come back. With a vengeance. So you try and ignore it. But of course you can't because it starts settling on your food. And it, it, I don't know what to do with them. And so in the end I had to go inside because I thought it, it, it's sensing fear. I think it now knows that there is fear. I think you, you can smell it. It's like a pheromone kind of thing. I think that, that's a little bit. Mick says horses definitely lie down to, lie down to sleep. Yeah. Chris says also not been paid today, which is very strange. I had the feeling yesterday something wrong with the banking system. I don't know. I don't know. A collective name for jellyfish is smack. A smack of jellyfish. A smack of jellyfish. Because you get those in Australia, don't you? We used to have the, the biggest ones were those Portuguese man of war. They used to call them. I should love the sound of that. But again, I'm definitely frightened of them. So horses definitely lie down to go to sleep. And uh, another one here. This is um, <laughs> to on the subject of fashion, Steve, says James. I had to text you with my annoyance at the ridiculousness of men nowadays who think that shaving their hair around the sides and leaving a little silly knot on the top of their heads, and to top it off, they've got great big bushy beards. Yes, I mean, to be honest with you, the little top knots, making them look like Bam Bam out of the Flintstones. Yeah, man buns. It's so stupid. It's like men who've got, you know, ponytails. Equally ridiculous. 
Equally ridiculous. I'm not interested in anybody who's sort of doing it. It must be vanity. But who are these men who gather their hair up at the top of the head and stick a little Alice band round it? What sort of men are they? Candidates for the village people, ladies and gentlemen. That's what they are. Or Australians. And then it's the beards that they grow, isn't it? Big bushy beards. Even young people now are growing beards. You know, people start off, they go, oh, I don't think I'll bother shaving today. And then they leave it and they start liking the fact they've got a beard. Whereas most people hate beards. Clean-shaven look is, is far more... Pre- but, of course, it's laziness, isn't it? Can't be bothered. I've got a beard. I'll have a top knot as well. And I'll cut rips in my jeans, because that makes me look really on-trend. Have you ever heard anything like it, honestly? I might come in tomorrow in my shorts. Second thoughts, maybe. I won't, actually. Uh, Primark, Kevin the Milkman, says, I could do the round with my jeans halfway down my legs, Steve. Flashing off my underwear label of choice, Primark. <laughs> You see, I don't understand why people want to show you their underwear. And it's always got to be trendy underwear. Have you noticed? You can't just wear Marks and Spencer's pants, which is what I do. You know, it's got to say something like, you know, Calvin Klein on them or, you know, all different things. This one's called Aussie something, isn't there, I think? Aussie pants. And and sort of people sort of show them. And I'm sure that people deliberately stretch up. So they go, oh, like that. And so you can see the top of their pants. I look, <laughs> Doesn't impress me in the slightest. Not one little bit, I'm afraid. I think pants are private. You should keep them to yourself. Don't show them to anybody at all. Uh, on the subject of the uh, the weather, I don't really want to tell you what it is, actually. Cloudy and dry most of the day. Chance of some light rain or drizzle. Noticeably cooler. Uh, they reckon 13 centigrade, 55 Fahrenheit. It's not good, is it? Sunset is 2101, although who cares? And uh, today, tonight, mainly dry with clear spells, leading to a chilly night, especially across southern parts. Although so far I've not lost any plants, so we're okay with that. And then uh, Thursday, early mist and fog soon dispersing. Mainly dry, variable amounts of cloud and sunny spells. Slight chance of a sharp shower, feeling warm in the sunshine with light winds. Actually, I thought the weather yesterday was lovely. I'm hoping today, I'm I'm being lazy today, not doing anything. I really don't care. And uh, Howard wants to know... Uh, the answer to a question. The answer is they've had a shuffle round. OK, that's that's uh, that's all I can tell you. They've had a shuffle. It would take me ages to explain where they've all moved on to. But uh, we've we've had a shuffle round in the newsroom. So different people uh, are um, are sort of doing different things now, but they're loving it, loving it. How terrible to have unkind neighbours, says Grace. Yes, I mean, I, I get on well with all my neighbours. All of them. I don't think... I mean, you, you can't really fall out with... Ne- Why would you want to fall out with your neighbours? Especially to the tune of £300,000. A British holiday is very pleasing and enjoyable. We'll be going to Scotland to visit friends. I'd love to go back. I'd love to go right out into into the glens or up into the Lake District or over to Ireland and just sort of do... They do lazy caravan holidays, don't they, in Ireland, where you can meander down country lanes with a horse and, and your little towing your little caravan. I quite like that idea. So uh, taking my radio with me. I hope you've downloaded Grace. Well, I'm sure you have, actually. The um, the LBC app. And, uh, uh, Steve, uh, on the subject of Eva Longoria's foundation, surely she has to work on that before she puts on her main makeup. Yes, I don't even know what it's a foundation for. But, but she gave an award to Cheryl Spagbowl. So she goes over to Paris for this thing. <laughs> I've had a look at the pictures. There appears to be nobody else there. They didn't do any big pictures or anything. Uh, Regarding Egypt and Tunisian holidays, says Johnny, I was in Tenerife last Christmas and New Year for the first time. It was chock-a-block. Previously, you could get a seat in any restaurant and bar, but during the day, it was solid. Many people told me they used to go to places above that were put off by what happened. So I booked for Tenerife again in February and struggled to get the dates I wanted. So I guess Sharm will be quiet again this year. I've got a friend who goes all the time to Sharm. 
Loves it. Loved it for ages and ages. Thought it was yeah, a great place. Expensive. One of my one of my girlfriends went uh, a long time ago, and she said it was so expensive. <laughs> she went on one of these spa holidays. And she said, you know, people were spending a small fortune. Uh, apparently, a group of jellyfish, says Ian, is called a bloom. A bloom of jellyfish. And I agree about ripped jeans. The amount of celebs going around with ripped jeans and very cheap-looking tops. What do they look like? They look cheap. They look cheap. That's, that's all, I can, all I can tell you about it. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I must wish Michelle a very happy birthday for today. So many happy returns of the day, Michelle. Hope you have a nice one. Actually, the weather's not too bad at all. Thank God the producer's not been in with sort of ripped jeans. Because I would be pointing and laughing. I really, I really would be pointing and laughing. It's the fact that he did it himself. He doesn't, he doesn't understand the irony of this. He really doesn't. I've done my best. Done my best. Anyway, uh, what have we got? Uh, LBC News time. I'm actually hitting things on time today. It's a miracle. Steve Allen and clocks tend not to go together. I feel like it's Vegas time. It's immaterial. As long as we start the programme on time and finish on time, the bits in the middle just fade. But I will tell you, it's 6.15 with the latest headlines. Rupert Bartia. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 6.20. I know you don't want to go to work today, do you? I, I can imagine that you're lying in bed and, you know, when you get to that nice warm bit in the bed, then you find a cool bit in the bed, and that's quite nice. And then when whoever you're sleeping with, your, your, your partner gets out, you get the whole bed. Get the whole bed and it's warm on their side. Sometimes damp, but that's old age. Uh, David says, uh, David said, he says, um, uh, Australian women have cuts in their knees. Yes, it, it's, it's this, this top-knot thing, somebody said, is called fashion, says Stella, as is the rip in the jeans. It's so ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Mind you, Cece says, I'm so sorry, Steve. At 42, I own two pairs of ripped jeans. What is going on in the world? Uh, Gordon is very excited. He's working in Liverpool. The joys of DAB radio, which I... Uh, which I like and applaud, of course, because that's good. And uh, and Colin can't understand. He said, I cry when I get a hole in my Levi's. I, I cry. I've got a hole in the pocket at the moment, on the left-hand pocket. So I've got to get that repaired because I put my money in there, what little I have, and, uh, and it falls through. Nothing worse than standing there. Peter says, that, you know, and your money's falling about your shoes because I can't bend down to pick it up, so I have to leave it. When I've had a, And sometimes you can't pick up a 5p. I dropped one the other day, a 5p, in Marks and Spencer's, and I tried to pick it up, and I couldn't. So in the end, I pushed it under the counter. Oh, it's only 5p, isn't it? The producer looks in horror. 5p, 5p, it's a fortune. Uh, a gang of jellyfish, Steve, should surely be called a flotilla. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, horses, says Mike, can sleep standing up as they bend one of their feet with a hoof resting on the ground. <laughs> oh, I've, I've lost the will to live now. Uh, Steve, I do have a beard, says Andy in Brighouse. Uh, but I do get it trimmed by a fantastic barber, Bugsy Malone. He says, my reason for my beard is I've got a bald head, so hopefully transplant it when I'm rich enough. Why do people who've got no hair on their head grow a beard? doesn't alter the fact you've got no hair on your head. It doesn't help at all. It's just... And people think, oh, it looks really good. You know, let's grow a bit. The producer's done the same thing. And um, uh, I'm standing next to one on the tram right now, Steve, with shaved sides and a top knot. He smells like he's not washed for a month. Sarah's in Croydon. Oh, she's on one of the trams then, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> Fancy standing next to her. I mean, every time I see them, I look at them, and I think, what do you look like? Uh, Mark says you should stop wearing trainers at the age of 16, as I did, unless you're participating in sport. Leave your school days behind and move on in the world. Yeah. Am I too old for vans? 
I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm too old for wearing vans. But uh, I, I couldn't grow a beard if life depended on it. I'm, I'm just not butch enough to grow a beard. I mean, I, I, have to, I shave every day, but I just couldn't. It would drive me mad. Absolutely drive me mad. I know some people sort of seem to like it. But uh, not me. Not me at all. 84850steve.lbc.co.uk Corrie Hunk, Shane Ward. I don't know why Corrie Hunk. They always say that, don't they? They have to be you know, either Corrie Star or Hunk or whoever it is. Is fed up with fans criticising his rubbish Manchester accent. Well, it can't have been as bad as Sarah Harding's. I mean, she couldn't do an accent for love nor money. Viewers accused him of faking it, even though he was born and bred in the city. And some even say the former pop star who plays Aidan Connor talks too much like a gangster. So he uses his real accent for the role. It must be very difficult when people go into these shows and it's somebody from, you know, a different part of the country and they've got to put it on. It'd be like me going out into Home and Away or Neighbours and going, ah, oh, good day, everybody. And people go, it doesn't even sound Australian. And I'd have to sort of bluff it and go, well, actually, you know, some of my early ancestors uh, were brought out here in chains and I'm just sort of picking up the mantle. There's some girl in the paper today, they, she, this is the word that they love using. This is Soap Island Babe. Uh, sorry, not Soap Island. I'm, I'm so sorry. Love Island Babe, Sophie Graydon, dumped Danny Cipriani after she caught him cheating. She's 30. You can't be a babe at 30. Babes are 18 and 19. She's a marketing girl. No, she's not. She was putting herself down on something else. A sort of a lingerie model. She's certainly not particularly attractive. And she thought he was the one. Oh, you stupid woman, honestly. Why do you get these people who go, I'm going out with Danny Cipriano, who's been out with just about everybody. And they go, oh, I thought he was the one for me, but he cheated on me. You were just the one night stands. Why do people not get that? Why do people not get it? It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. She says, I was never sure where I stood with him. Well, if you don't know at the age of 30, you must be even dumber than I thought. Please. God in heaven. Um, what have we got here? I'm trying to find... Oh, there's a, another one of these restaurants which is offering all-you-can-eat chicken, five days' worth of food in 45 minutes. And... Um, it's got more than 10,000 calories. It's equal to 40 McDonald's burgers. And the £500 prize will be awarded if somebody can clear the plate at the dinner in Darlington. It's just a way of some restaurant getting a bit of publicity for themselves. It's not very exciting at all. Why, why would you want to kill yourself by eating 10,000? Paul in Lowndes says, I'm 65 and I've got ripped jeans. Yes, but you're old. Old people are allowed to have ripped jeans because yours are naturally ripped because you won't buy anything new because you're mean. That's why yours are ripped. He's done his deliberately next door. And uh, John in Cambridge says, I grew a beard to celebrate reaching puberty. <laughs> I just don't get beards at all. I really don't get them. I get the Father Christmas beard. I get that. I understand that completely. But everybody else, the producer's got one. It's not really a proper beard. It's like sort of a beard, but then we sort of, we, we, we sort of trim it. So it's a bit of a sort of, it's a, it's... It's designer stubble, that's right. It's, it's a bit of a girly beard. It's the sort of thing, you know, your Greek mother would be wearing, you know. If she's, no, because a lot, that's why a lot of Greek men grow beards, to look more like their mothers, isn't it? I've said that before. I still like the idea of growing a beard to celebrate reaching puberty. What age should you start wearing Crocs? No age. You should never wear... I did see a little baby the other day with Crocs on, and I did say, oh, look, Crocs. And I thought, fine on little children, but, you know, I'm sorry, rubber shoes... Hello? Rubbish? Don't tell me you've got Crocs. Please tell me you've got Crocs. 
<laughs> I bet I bet that's like a big... That's probably a fashion statement in Australia. Hey, uh, let's have a croc party, mate. <laughs> Everybody goes around wearing their crocs, which is lovely. Uh, right, quickly, let me, uh, let me just... Uh, sorry, wait a minute, try and find where the mouse has gone to. There it is. Lovely. On the subject of trainers, some of the trainers nowadays look amazing, says Michael. Oh, my friend John's got loads of pairs. They cost a fortune. He designs his... On the internet, you can go on to, is it Nike or somebody like that, and you can design your own trainers. And they're about a 100 and something pounds. And, you see, I mean, I, I just can't wear trainers. I look ridiculous in trainers. It's just not me. I think there are certain things you've got to stop wearing. And trainers, they do cost a fortune. But people, people steal trainers, don't they, nowadays? I walked through Leicester Square... For the first time yesterday, says Jan, in years. Looking good, but I do miss the Miles 2 plaques that used to be in the ground, remember? Yes. And we had lunch in the crypt under St Martin in the Fields. I was talking about that the other day to somebody. Uh, Howard says, I'm four years older than you. Oh, you're 44 then. He said, and I've just started wearing ripped jeans, punk rock T-shirts and pinned through my face. Never too old to get with it. Well, I think you are, and I think you've hit it, Howard. I think you are way too old for this. You should be certifiable, I think. And, uh, the young men would probably think twice, says Nikki, Nicola, if they knew where the trend came from. Yes, this is... Um, it's the American prisons, isn't it? With the uh, the trousers halfway down your, your bottom and showing your pants and things like that. My daughter's 21, says Vesta. Jeans with cuts in them. It's a fashion thing that's come back. And uh, she ripped a couple of pair of her jeans when she was 12 years old. So she laughs like you when she sees people wearing cut-up jeans. You can safely say I was annoyed when she did it, but I laugh even more. She wouldn't do that now as she's paying for her own clothing. Yeah, exactly. Once you've, got, once you've actually got your own clothing, you're not going to start cutting it up anytime soon, are you? Listen, just about it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your, uh, for your company. I didn't get a chance to get round to every story, but most of them. Most of the stories, the most ridiculous one being uh, poor, delusional Katie Price thinking that a reunion on Loose Women with Peter Andre, where she sees him on a regular basis because they swap the kids over every so often, would be of any interest to anybody in this country. And if his wife's got any say in it, she'll be going, and his agent, and she'll be putting, saying, are you mad? She's just, you know, she's just doing this for her own gratification. So uh, ignore her, silly woman, honestly. She obviously just likes anything. She seems to think that Loose Women is her show. So far, she's put two of the kids on, and then she put Harvey on. Then we had the swearing. It's just getting a bit dreary. Getting a bit dreary. I need to check their audience figures. If they're not doing well, we have to get rid of her, have to fire her, send her back to where she came from, which is nowhere. But you've still got that dreadfully silly programme of her where it's her and horses or something. I don't know if that's just a picture of her or whether or not she's actually got horses around there. So we do it again tomorrow. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. Lazy day today. Love a lazy Wednesday. I've had a lazy Monday. Lazy Tuesday, a little bit of stress with the VAT, and, and a lazy Wednesday. Producer's going to go back, he'll probably do a little bit more designer stubble. I bet he spends ages in the mirror to take the glasses off. Have a look. Mm, not too bad. I bet you do that. Because he can't resist in this building. Seriously, we are just full of mirrors and everything else. So uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. I wish you a pleasant day with LBC. And you can listen wherever you want, wherever you are. You download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at 7, it's Nick Ferrari at breakfast. I'm Steve Allen, back with you tomorrow morning at 4. Next, though, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. <laughs>